welcome once again, guys, to the Coffee and Heroes podcast uh, with your host, as always, Alan. Uh, this is uh, going to be a bit of a bumper show. This is uh, the first proper review show we're going to actually be doing since the 19th of May. So it's actually a week short of two months ago. In that time, the comics industry settled into some form of normality again, plenty of constant releases, big books are starting to hit now, the indie companies are pumping out a lot of good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, we've managed to do a few podcasts there, a couple of starting points ones, uh, previews podcasts for what's coming out soon, and you know, make sure to check those ones out as well, guys. But we haven't really got down to the nitty gritty of reviewing the titles that we've been, you know, really enjoying about it. So we thought we'd just catch up on that, change the format slightly. Otherwise, we'll talk your ear off for about nine hours, and we don't want to do that. Uh, so as I say, your host Alan, I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Marvel himself. Keith here, lovely, lovely to be back. And Mr. Indy himself. Hey, it's Roddy here. So it's uh yeah, it's been a minute, boys, since we've uh been doing the reviews thing. Uh again there's I was saying there's been a lot of titles have been released in that time. Uh, I mean before we jump into it, just you know, how how have you guys been? All good? Keeping well? Yeah, absolutely. Can't can't complain. Um been pretty rammed workwise the past past wee while, um, and uh, things are starting to open up a wee bit. So I got a chance to, to head up north to see my to see my parents and, uh, and my family. Got a week off next week, so um, heading down to Cork to see uh, to see Bruno's family um, and, uh, and and spend a week off down there, uh, down in the in the People's Republic and uh, and that. But uh, are you off to China? Yeah, the, the People's Republic of Cork, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the PRC. <laughs> but, Different uh, PRC. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're uh, so we're, uh, yeah, that's that's that. And uh, other than that, it's been great to be uh, to be back in the store and, uh, and 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 all of that good stuff. So yeah, just just haven't really stopped, you know. Keep them all yourself, Roddy. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to say, all good here. We did. Through the pandemic, we did have a bit of sad family news, but we're sort of on the other side of it at the moment. Um, we've been doing a lot of adventuring in the past week or two, trying to get get out and about, and went up the moors the other day, which is pretty fantastic. Good to be out in the fresh air and just, just enjoying that beautiful weather, but now it's turned a bit grey, which is crap. Um, work's picking up a wee bit now that everything's getting back to relative normality. Still on four days a week, which isn't too shabby at all. Um, yes. But yeah, it's it's going okay. We're still, we're not actually, we're not at full, uh, full mast and all that kind of thing. We're not at full capacity just yet. Mm. But yeah, apart from that, love, 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 love being back in the store. It was great to spend don't know how long we all spent there last Saturday, socially distanced, of course, but <laughs> yes. just enjoying everyone's company and chatting nonsense. It was a great, it was a great help to me and certainly yeah. seeing everyone and having just chatting nonsense. Yeah, it was crack great. Was, crack was good. Crack was yeah. good. So. What about you, Alan and Vicky? Yeah, I mean, Saturday was good. Saturday was a real sort of just great day in general that I thoroughly enjoyed and it's great being back at the store it's great getting the deliveries and all the rest but you know the main thing we always you know preach and practice above all else is community and that Saturday there I remember looking around at one point you know we're we're very fortunate that a we attract a lot of cool people and b that those people have a head on their shoulders and 
when it comes to being able to sit around you know you're not all crowded together and in, in each other's space you know everyone was you know as you say sitting a responsible amount away from each other but I remember looking around at one point and I could almost hear the cheers theme tune in my ba- in the back of my head <laughs> you know uh you know if someone walks into the store everyone turns around and says hello if someone leaves everyone says goodbye but no we we've come back really strong to the store it's been great to see I think you know, it, it, it's certainly what we designed the place to be and, you know, work hard to make the place a comfortable place. But I think people kind of needed it. You know, I, I think after, you know, the months of, you know, being indoors and obviously seeing less of your family and your friends. And I think people just needed that bit of, you know, even just a slice of normality for, you know, half an hour, an hour, whatever. But and as you say, there's there's a lot of depth to be found in chatting nonsense. You know, it's uh <laughs> It's just, it's just been really good for us. I have to say, being back. So, uh, yeah, we're we're all good. You know, comics are going back to some sort of normality. We're recording this on a day where, obviously, we'll get to this further down the line. Not in this podcast, but you know, our latest delivery had quite a lot of Marvel titles in it. Uh, they're starting to get back on board, and yeah, the the comics industry, it's it consistently gets told that you know it's at death's door but they published a report the other day that comic and graphic novel sales combined last year in the u.s went up uh i think it was 27 percent to the year before this morning actually yeah you know so it's uh so people are, are loving the medium at the moment and why not you know as we'll get into in this podcast there's that much quality out there and there really is something for everyone so i think that's definitely the strength of the industry and also the I think the strength of the industry is just the interactivity between, you know, creators, artists, uh, fans, retailers, you know, just to throw a very quick story out, you know, a a couple of weeks ago, uh, Robert Kirkman showed off a a giant poster for his upcoming, well, then upcoming title called Firepower, and there was an awesome poster that matched the one he did for Oblivion Song years ago that we got as a store. And I put a tweet out saying, oh, it's such a shame we never received one of these. Uh, it would look great in the store next to the Oblivion song one. But keep up the great work, guys. It's such a great title. And Chris Samney, who's the artist on it, and someone I'm a fan of for a long time, for his Marvel work, especially on Daredevil and Black Widow, just said, oh, give us your address. I've got spares. And you don't think anything else of it. And then this morning in the post, it turned up. You know, there was a wee handwritten note saying, thanks for the support, Chris. And then they had drawn a wee cup of steaming coffee and, you know, the poster was there. And, <laughs> you know, just those little touches go a long way in the industry. And it's yeah. one of the things I love about it. So, yeah, I think the industry's strong at the moment, which means the store is strong and, you know, people are, are, are digging everything at the moment. So just long may I continue, you know, so. Absolutely. Nice. Yep. But, uh, yeah, as I say, guys, with this podcast, well, we wanted to have a bit more structure to it just because of the sheer wealth of stuff we'll be covering. So we've tried to limit ourselves to strict numbers. So we're going to start off with one item of news each. That's it. No more, no less. Uh, I'll throw mine out straight away just because I'm so excited about this. This was news that was actually uh, put out today on Twitter. Interestingly enough, put out by DC, shock horror, I know, uh, before the creators put anything out. And this title was announced, Rorschach. Uh, It's going to be a 12-issue miniseries. It kicks off in October. It's written by Tom King, and it's got art by Jorge Fornes and colors by Dave Stewart. And just looking at the cover for that, it just looks like it steps straight out of a 70s paranoia thriller. It is beautiful. Uh... You know, you, you obviously you had me at Tom Keane, so I'm fine. But 
I really, really, this came out of nowhere, I have to say. And, you know, I saw the news, just got really, really excited about it. It's it's the format that I think that, you know, Tom Keane thrives most in, is the 12-issue mini, uh, or 12-issue maxi, I suppose I should say. And Jorge Fornes is an artist I'm a big fan of, does some great Daredevil work recently, uh, did, I believe, the Batman annual with Tom Keane before, so there's a pre-existing relationship there as well. So, yeah, that's my bit of news. I think that's going to be big. I think that's going to be... One of, you know, I, it's hilarious because I've I've started a YouTube channel recently and I was like, Three Jokers is going to be the biggest title of this year. And then this got announced and now I'm sort of thinking <laughs> I have to change my mind. And then The King uh, in Black has been announced and everything else. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. as I, mean, I say. The, the, uh, that, that announcement, that Rorschach, you know, if I think if anybody else's name had been on it, I would have been concerned. Yeah. Uh, because you're going all right, so... DC, you know, Milk and Milk and Watchmen again, you know, and and uh, what are they doing? You know, they've 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 done it with varying levels of of success. You know, there was before Watchmen, there was Doomsday Clock, and you know, it was one of those things that they said they weren't going to do, and now they're doing, and they they seem to be doing with the with the you know they're 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 full on with it. You know what I mean? Uh, with with this following Doomsday Clock, so i don't know if anybody else's name had been on it i would have i would have been a wee bit concerned i'm sure alan murr is not a happy man um well that's but, true anyway uh, well yeah yeah i don't i don't believe alan <laughs> murr is, is a happy man <laughs> best of times but but yeah i don't know uh we'll see we'll see but uh certainly certainly mr king's name on it gives me uh gives me a lot of a lot of faith yeah uh, but yeah, that'll be no doubt in the next previews book, which I think will be dropping soon as well. So we'll certainly let you guys know all the information on that as it uh, as it gets released. But just as a breaking news story, it was something that got me very excited. Um, yeah. So and and then as I say, that sort of seventies paranoid thriller sort of look to it on the cover is just giving me great hope as well. <clears throat> you know, you don't want a that, big glossy series for a Rorschach, you know. That mm. cover is fantastic. Yeah. Look at that! Even Mister India's behind us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, like um, I think the success of DC for me recently has been the twelve issue maxi series I've really enjoyed. From well, Mister Miracle really it started with you know, and then Martian Manhunter. I know Lois Lane's been really good. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Olsen too. So yeah, like they'll I think they'll always get me. And then Tom King himself is doing Strange Adventures, you know. So. The, I think they've got success there. I'm I'm not too. I don't know with Watchmen. Like I don't really. And you know me, I would be critical of like anything. You know, kind of mm-hmm. being milked. But yeah. with Watchmen, I I don't really mind it. I'm I'm okay. You know. Expand Go that. Ahead. It's, expand it's that there word. to be mine. You know. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do. It's and not not to hold anything up as a holy grail by any means, but yeah. it'll always be there, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was yeah. my my one bit of news that I am, you know, that's as far as I can go. So, how about yourself, you Rob? Managed, you managed to slip in King of Black there as well. I thought, <laughs> well, you know, what, what? One piece of news, guys. One piece of news. <laughs> King and Black will no doubt come up at a further date because it's further down the line than Rorschach. So, Rorschach. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I mean, oh, you you just you had to draw me into this, didn't you? Expand upon. Oh no, this. I just I wasn't aware of the date of uh, <laughs> no, of Rorschach. King of, uh, Rorschach's been announced for October thirteenth. Uh, the King and Black, which I may as well chat about quickly now that you've started me, is going to be a new series from Donny Cates and Rand Stegman. 
they have Venom, they have Absolute Carnage, and, you know, Donny Cates already goes to some pretty dark places in his stuff, and the fact that he prefaced this announcement with, I can't believe how dark Marvel are letting me go, gets me quite excited. Uh, King and Black he used, is... Uh, he used the word Cthulhu as a descriptor for it as well. Yeah, that, that definitely caught my attention as uh-huh, well, yeah. and... Yeah, so this is going to be the next big event from these guys. It's going to be the culmination of everything they've been building to with Null through uh, Venom. And it is coming out in December. And apparently it's going to affect the whole Marvel Universe, although we hear that about every Marvel event book. But I kind of believe it in this case. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much they announce with that. But I'm not getting on to another piece of news. You already dragged a little bit out of me, Miller. So uh, <laughs> You're easy. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Roddy? Give us one piece of news that has excited you recently. All right. Well, it's not just excited me. I think it's excited a lot of folks in the store and throughout the comics community. So this one is quite excited to say that there's going to be a new Power Ranger series. Um, so we're going from King in Black to the Black Ranger, I suppose. Um, so yeah, this one, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, is an ongoing series at the moment, and it's going to conclude with October's issue 55. But then there's going to be two new comics, I believe. Um, the first new series is going to feature an all-new team of Rangers, including a mysterious new Green Ranger. Um, he'll debut in the last issue and that'll be called Mighty Morphin which is written by the current Power Rangers writer Ryan Parrott with art from Marco Renna um, it seems like it's like a new new beginning and a new jumping on point for like fans because we've we've heard a lot about this Power Rangers series which started off with uh, Kyle Higgins and now it's Ryan Parrott on writing and it just it sounded really good and it, it always seemed to have this buzz around it um but we never i guess we never got to reading it because it was quite deep into the lore now at this point and the issues so this seems like a perfect jumping on point i think it is out in november so a month after uh your wonderful war shark title for something completely different but it's something something i'm really looking forward to yeah. so hopefully hopefully i can jump on this and maybe collect the rest in graphic novels you know what came before so really really looking forward to it or like kind of fresh opportunity for power rangers to get into it mm-hmm. i'll definitely be joining you on that one roddy yeah good stuff yeah it's just like guys have been in touch about that already and it's it almost seems uh, i think ever since shattered grid came out for power rangers that there's been a bit of a renaissance of interest in the comics but as you say not maybe a, a stern jumping on point so to speak so this seems like uh this seems to have come along at a good time i think and yeah there's quite a few people already put that on their pull list so i'm sure we'll get into that uh in more detail again in a future previews podcast as yeah. well um so how about yourself keith what has excited you recently well i don't think uh, i don't think my piece will come as uh, as any surprise to anybody uh friday saw the release of the old guard netflix movie uh have you have you both watched it uh it's the first movie i've watched on quote opening day for i don't know how long uh yes i seen it too i watched it last night so took took me a few days to get to it but yeah oh really impressed it was something else great 
great casting, uh, great story, obviously, because it's based on a great story, but the script was also, you know, script and production also, Greg Rucka was heavily involved in, the writer of the of the, the, the original uh, miniseries and, and uh, the sequel, Force Multiplied, and the uh, the soon-to-be uh, trilogy, which he is also named, but we'll save that for a later date. But, I mean, the casting was, was absolutely fantastic. Whenever you were looking at those characters, you were able to go just from before they were even named you were able to go oh yeah that's nicky that's joe yep uh so it was really and the, the action was spectacular it was just you know the locations everything was just perfect they did a really really good job of uh of, of yeah, telling that story in two hours and five minutes they did because I, d- I don't want to get into it too much but it felt it felt like it really maybe we're getting into wee dangerous spoiler spoiler territory here but it felt like they had they had lifted stuff from the comic, but it felt kind of like original and genuine uh-huh. within mm-hmm. the movie. And it very much felt like its own thing. And the action was incredible. I don't know if you've watched Extraction, which was another sort of Netflix uh, film. So they're, they're doing well with their reaction films. Really, Extraction was really good because it was sort of like the same visceral violence. Was that, uh, that wasn't the one with Helmsworth, was it? That was it Helmsworth, was, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I loved it. I was a bit, I was a bit worried, because I saw um, the posters were a bit bland, and I, I saw a few ads for it before, and I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know, don't know here, lads, is, yeah. is it going to be good? But yeah, I was really, really chuffed with it, really impressed. They had, uh, the, the thing, the first thing that I noticed was the fact that they had her axe the prop that was her axe was exactly as it was in the in the comic. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was uh, Char- Charlize Theron. There's just she's just incredible, an incredible yeah. actress, and yeah. she just imbued. Um, the, uh, Andy, names, Andy, Andy, just oh, she's brilliant, really brilliant, really good. Well, Definitely worth watching if you've not watched it yet. Well, interestingly enough, I did think of you two as soon as Andy came on the screen because someone asked her name and she pronounced it fully. And I remember the fun we had looking up how to pronounce that name before our, <laughs> our uh, book club podcast. It was Andromache, wasn't it? Andromache of Sithica. Yeah. Andromache. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I, it, it was an interesting experience for me because I sat and watched it with Vicky and I know the book so well. Vicky hasn't read it yet. So it was wonderful to see that it worked and satisfied on a level for someone who had read and loved the book but for someone who was completely new to it and mm-hmm. you know it, as soon as it was over you know Vicky was turning to it she's like so we, we, we've got the book in the store don't we you know it piqued the interest straight away um, one interesting note I did see was uh, I think it was an interview with Rucka and you know the way there was that li- obviously I'll not spoil it but there was that little stinger scene at the end Mm-hmm. apparently if it had been released in a movie theater that would have been mid credits but uh-huh. because netflix when you finish watching something it comes up so quickly here's something else you might like because of that mm-hmm. format they had to move mm-hmm. that and put it just at the end of the movie instead but right. okay but uh that Trip. was a, that was a character like the flashbacks involving that character were horrifying um yeah oh they were they really were you know that was you know, that made the, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up so it was but yeah perfectly cast it was quite an exotic movie as well you know it moved from you know france to england to morocco to you know it was a real sort of jet setting movie as well and mm. the only thing if i could have added something to and this is just being really greedy 
but was just a slightly bigger budget to flesh out some of those flashback scenes early on. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of close-ups. There was a lot of, you know, showing Charlie's and you know her, her <laughs> Viking outfits and stuff like that. But you couldn't quite see big action in the background. That's the only thing. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah. you know, you mm-hmm. can understand why the that this was by no means an established comic book property. So they they yeah. they did it complete justice. So. Here's hoping it's a sequel of movie or a trilogy of movies, just the way it's going to be a trilogy of books. And uh, I mean, obviously, if you if you if you have watched Old Guard on Netflix and you're interested in uh, in checking out the source material, the uh, the original trade is in the shop. Uh, it was originally a five issue mini, uh, but the trade is in the shop. Well worth well worth grabbing. It's a beautiful looking thing. Um, and if you uh, listen back further along our podcast track, we did a book club on the original the original guard series so uh, well worth a well worth a listen if you haven't already which we're going to have to go back and update with our full movie review <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, a plan piece yeah oh god it'll, it, it'll be like our uh, winter soldier movie versus uh yeah another yeah, wonderful podcast to find yeah. on the coffee and heroes network uh <laughs> winter soldier book versus movie um yeah cool so i think that'll do it just in terms of sort of bits and pieces news wise there there's a lot of other stuff going on in the industry at the moment but we we are just conscious of the fact that we have a lot of books to get through here uh we had to be very strict about it uh i still don't think keith has fully accepted the format and i'm good, I, and I'm good. I've, listen you made it difficult for me but, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm good i'm good so what are we what are we talking about we're talking about stuff that was supposed to be originally released between first of april and first of july yep that is exactly it so we're essentially going to go right back pretty much to um or near enough back to when comics started being printed again and we we obviously like our weekly format we're going to strive to get back to that just obviously with the way the world's been it's been a little difficult to always match up our schedules and so forth so what we decided to do was we were going to look back over that time period uh, and we were going to choose five titles each that really stood out to us that's not to say that these were the only five good titles we could name you another 30 each i'm sure but, you know, we, we are conscious of the fact that if we want to deep dive into these titles that, you know, we had to give ourselves a structure. So, I mean, to give you an idea, when we looked back over all the releases from that time, I had 81 titles. Uh, that was 42 DC, 30 Indie, and 9 Marvel. <coughs> Pardon me. And that's not an indictment on the quality of Marvel, because I read as much Marvel as DC these days. But it was just obviously Marvel were a little slower in terms of re- starting to re-release stuff. Uh, how about yourself, Keith? What were your numbers? Uh, I had uh, seventy-three titles, and it was the same 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 balance as yours, actually. Uh, seventy-three titles, thirty-two were DC, twenty-eight were indie, and thirteen were Marvel. And how about yourself, Roddy? <laughs> numbers? What are numbers? <laughs> I'm an artist. Um, so I'm all about the words, not the numbers. I do not. Well, that's it. I was way better at English than Maz in school, so uh, that's not to say I can't count the number of comics, but I do not keep them in order, and I will in the future. I can only apologize for this massive indiscretion on my part. If I had to venture I'd... a guess, I'd say you were around 35 to 40. Yeah, I was thinking, because I remember I had a pile of around 30 the first time and a few graphic novels, but... No, I I read a lot and then a lot sort of sat in a pile and then I 
some kind of got mixed up and then they went in the filing cabinet. So, yeah, just... Filed away. I've let, I've let the team down here. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> all right. You're but all I mean, right. I managed to pick five, so you can't... That's that's the best I could do. So what you're saying is you are winging it, is essentially. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you could say that. We are definitely back then. We are definitely back to normality. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, one thing that's normal for a review show is that it will be full of spoilers. Ridiculously uh, full of spoilers. That's the other reason we decided to narrow the titles down, I think, as well. You know, if we wanted to deep dive into stuff and chat spoilers, we didn't want to spoil, you know, 50, 60 titles. Plus, we'd be here for the next, you know, four hours instead of the next two and a half. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was interesting when we broke down our titles because we, we wanted to put it into some sort of format that made sense as well rather than just rhyming off a title and chatting about it. So what we did was we broke it down into um, three sets of five. And then what we did is we're going to discuss them by publisher. So we're going to chat Marvel first, the books that stood out, then DC, and then we'll group indie together. But even with it, we've tried to do it in a way where maybe number ones are grouped together, you know, to stick a theme to it as much as possible. But as I was saying, it was a bit of a lean time for Marvel. Marvel dipped their toe in a little bit, uh, a little bit slower. They... Marvel have been a little bit challenging at the moment as well. Certainly from my point of view as a retailer, you know they they reacted uh, to the pandemic in a in an interesting way in terms of some of maybe their lesser selling titles. They said we're going to be digital only. Uh, they cancelled those for uh, printing, you know, which was a shame from my point of view in terms of Hawkeye Freefall. Certainly, uh, Ant Man was another one. Ravencroft was actually another one I was personally enjoying. But it was, it was hard for a retailer because you, you obviously spend time recommending titles, asking people to sign up for them, and then you basically tell them the stories are going to be incomplete. But then a week and a half ago, Marvel then announced that obviously this, the sales had been good enough through digital. So that's not to say that they were wrong to do this in the first place, but the sales were good enough that they basically said, right, we're going to actually release most of, if not all of them. Uh, I know certainly with Keith, there's a title, Jim Foster Valkyrie, he'll be very happy to see back. Uh, Hawkeye Freefall again was my my big one, but because Marvel their their release scheduling was sort of all over the place for print comics, so that's why there's maybe not as big a pool to choose from in terms of what really stood out. But there still were a couple of great ones, uh, certainly if they they made our final five, shall we say? So we're gonna kick it off unsurprisingly with Mr. Marvel himself giving us our first review of a Marvel title. What do you got for us, Keith? Uh, so I've got one that I have. Well, I was I was I was kind of interested, and in, obviously uh, Empire, uh, which is Marvel's uh, summer crossover, summer event, um, has been a long time coming. It was it, it really caught the pointy end of uh, of the the coronavirus uh, lockdown uh, to the industry, and uh, I mean we should be we should be near the end of it by now, and what we've got what we've got is the start of it. So this is there's they're starting off with two issue zeros because Empire is 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 nearly as a sequel I think to the the Kree Scroll War which is a classic Avengers story and it it's it seems to be focusing on on the Avengers team and the Fantastic Four team those seem to be the core uh, and and then then it'll it'll swoosh off in in in, in a, another direction or it'll pull in who, everybody else in the Marvel universe I imagine and there's been some concerns that. You know, there's a whole load of titles. Everything's crossed over. There's, what did someone say, 70-something titles over the next two or three months. But 
as we know from from War of the Realms and uh, and from Absolute Carnage, you know what Marvel have done really well recently with the, with their their events is that, you know, you've got the core series and you've you've got the tie-ins and you know if those tie-ins are 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 part of books that you're normally reading, then keep reading them. You know what I mean? If they're characters that you're interested in, then great, pick them up. You know, but what they'll do is they'll add value rather than you know if you if you don't read it you'll miss something. You know, so. That would be the, the the general case. So, what we've got is 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 Empire starting with two issue zeros. We've got uh, we've got two one shots. So we've got uh, Avengers Empire issue zero and Fantastic Four Empire issue zero. So, the book that I want to talk about is Avengers Empire um, issue zero, which was out week before last. I think two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, it was uh, the it was the first one to come uh, from the Empire line. Aside from there was a one shot called Road to Empire. But I think That's it was right. a, essentially the summation of the Kree Scroll War that you had you had prev- previously mentioned. Yeah, that's 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 right. Um, so creators are Al Ewing, who is one of the guiding forces of Empire and currently climbing the ranks at Marvel, uh, having having really uh, kicked off there with uh, with this, the really really strong Immortal Hulk, and Pepe Larraz, so one of uh, Hickman's recent collaborators uh, on House of X. Um, so the book it's 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 a lovely uh, double size double size book. Um, Laraz's art is just phenomenal. It starts by uh, some summarizing, you know, how the Kree Scroll War started, which was, you know, the scrolls were a, a very advanced race, and uh, they 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 there were two two races living on 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 the Kree homeworld, the Kree, the the, the blue skinned Kree who we're familiar with, and a uh, and a a, a plant based uh life form called the Kotati. and the, the you know the the scrolls said we want to find out who the dominant life form is so we can reward them and bring them up you know and, and evolve them and uh so here's what we're going to have we're going to dump you in the blue in this area of earth's moon and you can use whatever resources you have uh and uh, and whoever sort of builds the best thing or or or, or wins uh will will win our favor so the Qatari, they, they they built this lovely garden, created the blue area of the moon, and the Kree effectively butchered them, and uh, you know then went to war with the Skrulls, uh, a warlike, a warlike race that they are, and that was the kickoff of the Kree Skrull War thousands and thousands of years ago. But uh, we have the Avengers. The current Avengers team is uh, is uh, the big three: Cap, Iron Man, and Thor, plus Captain Marvel, She Hulk, who's now very bestial. Uh, Black Panther and Ghost Rider. So someone in the store commented earlier this week that it was a bit of a, a strange team. But as long as you have the big three in the Avengers, you're you're doing all right. You're doing all right. So the uh, the the issue goes goes into a lot of backstory. The Avengers are summoned back to the blue area of the moon, which is an area of the moon that has uh, oxygen on it. It's a place that Uetu the Watcher used to use as his home. And uh, we go into a bit of a lot of Avengers. Kree Scroll War uh, and 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 uh, sort of seventies backstory and it's it's just fantastically dealt. Uh, we have the return of uh, of an old Avenger, uh, the Swordsman. Uh, we have mention of uh, of the Celestial Messiah and uh, the Celestial Madonna. The Celestial Madonna is a character who you all know. Uh, Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy uh, played a much uh, a much more important role in in Avengers. In the 70s and, and early 80s, than she certainly than she, she has done in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, or in, in, the, in the Marvel movies. So, uh, so she was uh, swordsman was her was her bow, and uh, 
through swordsman she has given birth to the celestial messiah uh and the celestial messiah is supposed to end war in the galaxy and all of that good stuff so so we're reintroduced to the celestial messiah who uh who has now grown up thor met him many many years ago whenever he was a whenever he was a, a youngling and he now goes by the the name of uh, sequoia uh, he's part part uh human part um part kotati the the plant people and uh you know he's effectively you know we we go into why why this new war is happening we talk a bit about uh hulkling and and the bringing together of the the kree and the skrull empires for the first time in thousands of years and how those kree and skrull are on their way to on the way to earth uh but it really is it really is a fantastic start um we see a little bit on the on the the, the empire homeworld the empire as i say is now the the joining of the kree and skrull empires hulkling the former young avenger is on the throne he who is a hybrid of of skrull and kree um and tony stark is kind of the the narrator character here and uh he seems a wee bit ensorcelled uh by by what's happening and by by the celestial messiah and all of this sort of stuff but uh i mean what this book is is just a really really solid start in the mighty marvel manner uh for a for an event it's just it's just brilliant um it pairs very very well with the fantastic four empire issue zero which came out last week uh and uh, and follows uh follows marvel's first family uh and and, and their entrance into the into the the the, the empire storyline so yeah highly recommend as i say it is it is an issue zero uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to issue one of the, the actual miniseries coming out next week. But I would say these two, uh, if, if Avengers Empire number zero is anything to go by, these are two really solid books that are well worth picking up. Solid Avengers story, good action, good character work, uh, beautiful art. Um, yeah, Ewing and Laraz doing fantastic things. So Empire Avengers issue zero. Cool. So is that supposed to be part of the main sort of chain of them or is it considered just like a tie-in i i think it's i think it's it's a one-shot tie-in okay uh, so i imagine issue one will 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 bring everything together but as i as as i mentioned you know i think what this will do it'll really it'll really deepen uh really deepen your understanding and and, and add to the story uh mm-hmm. probably probably explain some character motivations later on uh and 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 introduce you to who this swordsman character is uh you know swordsman was hawkeye's mentor but this version of swordsman is a a reborn swordsman who himself is a katari plant being who is using swordsman's mind and body after after the former swordsman passed away so uh many many years ago so yeah it's really good stuff um you've got ghost rider who still is uh ghost rider is uh it's the um Oh god, what do you what do you call him? It's not it's not Danny Cage or Johnny Blaze. It's the the, the more the more up to date Ghost Rider. Uh, Robbie Rodriguez is it? R- Robbie Reyes, yeah, that's Reyes. it. And uh, and uh, he's still very much out of his depth as an Avenger. Uh, Jason Aaron put him into the Avengers. He's still very out of his depth, and uh, so we and yeah, so it's 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 a really really beautiful uh, story with Jason Aaron's Avengers. So I would highly recommend it. Cool, yeah, I mean, it's it's part of uh, a couple of one-shots that they're doing uh, to kick things off. So you've got Empire Avengers Zero and Empire Fantastic Four Zero. And mm-hmm. then the event itself is actually kicking off today. Uh, just as we record this, it's part of our delivery this week. It's an interesting one. It, it sort of shows how long 
you know, Marvel have had Empire set up for a while, and as you say, it sort of fell victim to, you know, the pandemic and everything. And it's really interesting because we were organizing all the comics today, and you pull out Empire number one, lovely. You pull out uh, David Finch variant. You pull out, uh, you know, launch variant, and we also had our second printing variants as well. <laughs> so it had somehow already went to a second printing despite the first printing not having come out that is definitely a new one i have to say uh i've i've set aside these issues for myself i haven't jumped into it too much because i read the road to empire and it threw a lot of information about you uh, mm. uh, towards you sorry that if you're not overly familiar with it it's a lot to take in. So what I've done is I've put a few issues together. I've got the two zeros and then Empire One. I'm going to read all three back to back mm. and see how it's it a flows. good idea. It's a good uh, idea. I mean, it's it's interesting because there 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 hasn't been a huge amount of excitement about Empire. You know, I guess based on that on that lag time. You know. Yeah. But uh, but there, you know, a couple of guys on the chat, the the Coffee and Heroes chat, started chatting about it this this week after having read you know, the zero issues. And uh, I have to say my excitement for the event has now has now increased exponentially based on those two those two zero issues. Yeah, there's been a, a few people jumping on it now that it's starting to come out. As you say, it's almost a case of people didn't jump on it too early and then it got delayed and then this and then that. But I remember a, a similar thing happening with House of X and Powers of 10. When it first started, we certainly as a store, we had maybe 10 or 11 people on it. By the time you hit House of X3, there was 27 people on it because people were maybe a little slow coming to it, but then they heard great things about it and, you know, jumped on it. So, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see what to do with Empire. Uh, as I say, I've got mine set aside, so I'll definitely uh, jump into that in the next uh, week or so. So, cool. So that was uh, one of Keith's first picks. That was Empire Avengers Zero. Uh, so we've got just one other Marvel pick for you. Uh, this was a pick of Roddy's, so I think this is a title we are all loving at the moment. So take it away, Rodster. Yeah. Stole Thor number five away from Keith and you. Uh, <laughs> so I decided to be Mr. Marvel for a brief fleeting moment. Um, so this is, I think this was released couple of days after my birthday on my birthday's 21st of june i think this was the 24th uh this was thor number five we are written by donny Cates, art by nick klein and matt wilson on the colors um to get us up to speed with this we we sort of have thor who's recently become the all-father however with with thor i think there becomes he's he's very within himself he's there's a lot of indecision there's a lot of questioning whether he's worthy or not whether he's worthy to hold mjolnir but this one is whether he's ready to truly be the king of asgard and can he step into that role but before he can do that um he's found by galacticus who makes a deal with him and he galacticus imbues thor with the power cosmic um to deal with a marvel universe marvel universe destroying threat called the black winter which is a star plague that's destroyed galactica's original universe and now he's coming for ours um to prevent this from happening galactus must devour five unique planets let me just get this correct five he has to destroy and devour five unique planets to sort of balance himself out uh, I suppose is that like having coffee when you have like loads of 
alcohol to try and <laughs> yes. balance yourself yes. out, <laughs> but on a much, much larger cosmic scale. Um, so uh, as the Herald, Thor has been trying to evacuate these planets and try and get all the people off them, because obviously they're, they're planets that are inhabited by beings of all kinds. But this all kind of goes horribly wrong with planet number five, and that's where we kind of start off, because Galacticus devours it with the people on it, and Thor is not happy about that. So I really, really, really love this 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 book especially, because I thought it played played with the formula, but there was a lot of... I think it harkens back to Jason Aaron's run, and Isad Ribic's sort of original art. I think the art by Nick Klein has the same sort of, it carries the torch for the art, but it does its own thing as well. And I think adding Matt Wilson to turn it into this kind of neon-y rock and roll cosmic adventure is something that's just incredible. Um, but at the start of this one, it's a really interesting issue because we have Beta Ray Bill, who we got introduced to in issue three, I think it was. And Lady Sif, who's now, um, remind me what her role is. Oh, Lady, Lady, Lady Sif has taken over from Heimdall as the, the guardian of the Bifrost. That's the one, yep. Yeah. So there, Thor is basically, he's not communicating with Lady Sif. He's not letting her see him. And then we have a discussion with Beta Ray Bill, which I thought was quite funny. And he says... Um, Thor is worthy to be king. That's kind of the gist of it. But then he says, anyone that wants to be king should immediately be barred from becoming king, which <laughs> I thought was very funny. Um, but it, it sort of shows there's there's a real depth to the Thor character that you sometimes don't see, which is why I'm, I'm really digging this. But then I think Keith is probably going to love the next part of it. Um, so we, cut, we sort of cut to Thor dealing with Galactus, and then Thor sort of becomes taken over by the old Death, uh, who basically shows him how he's going to die. And then we get a lot of nice little nods to past past runs of Thor, past villains. I think it's a really nice homage in a way. It reminded me of the, I think it was when we read batman the court of isles and one of the very first scenes was all the villains in gotham so it was oh, kind of like a nice, yeah yeah it was uh -huh. it uh what do you call it? gotham what do you call arkham it asylum. arkham asylum that's the one so it kind of had all the villains there villains there so it was a nice kind of nod to what's gone before so yeah i really like that and then the second sort of half of the issue is sort of like this big mad action scene between Galacticus and Thor, and it's just fantastic. Just looking, Matt Wilson really shines in this one. Beautiful colors, beautiful art, beautiful everything in this book. I absolutely adored it. And then sort of towards the end, we are introduced to basically what, what the character at the end reminded me of is, I don't know if you've ever played uh, Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time. Yeah. No. Well, it reminded me of. Do you know in the is it the Water Temple where you get Shadow Link? Oh, he's like and an evil version to, of Link, right? You have to like battle yourself. So this right. is what it reminded me of. So um, massive, massive cliffhanger here. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. And I see it seems Thor does the cliffhanger really well. 
it doesn't feel cheap or forced. It just feels like, oh, can't wait to next week. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's, uh, or next month, I suppose. I mean, I think I think uh, I've said it before, but I think what Donny Cates is doing is is fantastic. He's you know he's uh, he's walking his own path with Thor while still absolutely respecting what has gone before. You know, and and Jason Aaron's running and beyond, um, because there was a lot of work put in there. So, so this very much does this. And then the other thing it does is, you know, if you read the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade last year, you'll know a lot about the history of of Galactus and the fact that that Galactus was uh, was Galen Gale, Galen of Ta uh, in the previous universe, and that that Galactus is the only survivor of that previous universe, which was destroyed in the Big Bang that created the Marvel Six One Six universe. And uh, in in that transferal from one universe to another, he became a force of a force of nature. You know, he became the 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 galactic the 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 great destroyer. You know, um, so that was great. But to to understand, you know, that cliffhanger at the end. You know, Galactus is well known for his heralds. Uh, that the, the best of them, that the most experienced of them being the Silver Surfer, uh, who was the herald of Galactus, who went ahead of Galactus and and found words for him and. And then Thor obviously was was recruited as a herald of Galactus, as you said, Roddy, at the start of this series, in order to find these and, and these five planets that they yes, needed. Yes, sort of with ulterior motives, it sort of becomes clear. Yes, yeah. and uh, and it's not until the end that we find out that it appears that Galactus himself is a herald of the Black Winter. So the the, the idea of turning turning the, the the whole concept of Galactus on his head were Galactus is a herald. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, is is kind of cool, you know. Uh, yeah, very, very, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Really, what'd yeah, I really make, enjoyed that. What'd you make of it, Alan? Oh, easily one of Marvel's most consistently great titles. Uh, anything Kate seems to touch seems to turn to gold. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting one because Jason Aaron's run. You know, we make this comparison quite a lot. You know, with Tom King, Batman, Jason Aaron, Thor. You know, when we opened the store, we were smack bang in the middle of those runs. So for people to jump on to them was difficult because it was one long run. What was it in Aaron's case? Was it eight years? Uh, Jason yeah. Aaron was on Thor. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Tom King was on Batman for four or five years. And ever since the change in creative team and Donny Cates going on the Thor, Tinny going on the Batman, the numbers in the store for both titles have just jumped up because people have found a series that respects what came before but it's very much its own thing as well. And the stuff, Donny, I mean, Thor goes to the top of my pile every time it, it comes out. You know, I always say that I either put the titles I'm looking forward to most at the top of my pile or the bottom of my pile. And with Thor, it always goes to the top because it is so rock and roll and it's usually action-focused. There is depth to it, but it's just kick-ass as well, you know? So, you know, if you enjoy it, it's going to go to the bottom of the pile as well and then you read it a second time. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love the design of, of Thor as well, the Nick Klein artwork in it. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm a big fan of Galactus as well, you know, the whole Silver Surfer idea, the whole relationship of, you know, a herald, and as you say, this turning that on its head, and maybe finding, not an origin per se, but maybe finding where, you know, the, it goes back to that old Star Wars line of there's always a bigger fish, you know, so mm. even with Galactus, yeah, there's yeah. still someone bigger again. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, Thor very much so, as you say, Roddy. If uh, if you hadn't chose this as one of the titles, I think either myself or Keith would have, because every issue has just been pure quality of it. So, 
Yeah, um, I must uh, give a shout out to the amazing covers. Um, the cover A's by Olivier Coupel. Oh yeah, they're so good. And Olivier Coupel obviously was uh, was on Thor previously with Jason Aaron as well. He was one of the the artists on that run. So oh yeah. Uh, so he knew he knew he knew he knows a Thor to run. You know, so <laughs> he knows and his way in and out. In and out. It's it's really funny, you know, because there there's a there's a real preponderance towards you know metal in comics at the minute you know yeah. as in you know the 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 music genre and uh you know obviously we've got you know dc's metal and 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 death metal um and but i think whatever you whenever you think metal i think it's hard to think past you know donny cates and jason Aaron, whether that be thor or conan the barbarian those are metal titles <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh i think thor is second on the pull list and Marvel titles and it's second only to Venom. So there's definitely a theme there. Um, yeah, people, sure. people are definitely uh, um, uh, listening to our advice of following creators, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when they're so good. Uh, yeah, cool. So that was uh, Roddy's first pick, which was Thor number five, Donny Cates, Nick Klein and Matt Wilson. Uh, so that's pretty much it for Marvel. Again, it's not really an indictment of the quality of the Marvel titles in this period. It, I think it's important to stress that. It's just more to do with how few titles they had sort of released in that in that time frame. So Are you just worried about hurting Keith's feelings? Not at all. I, I said every time I read as much <laughs> Marvel these days as I read DC. Yeah. Uh, I don't enjoy as much as I, you know, <laughs> but I read as much. <laughs> but no, it's interesting, you know, from doing the pull list today, it's it's almost like normality's been resumed because I was doing Keith's and it's like three quarters Marvel, you know, and then the other quarter is between DC and, you know, Indy. But good stuff. That's good to see. But no, what, what I would say is that I would put Thor up there with the best DC stuff I'm reading. So that's the, the biggest compliment I could certainly give it. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to move on to the DC stuff. And it is it is interesting because you would think with the sheer volume of titles DC released in that time that every single one of my picks would be DC. But that's not the case. There's And it's not the case for you guys either. There is definitely a lot of good indie stuff to get to as well. But bypassing the um, onto DC... The first title I want to talk about is a title that I've wanted to talk about ever since it came out because this is one of the best mini, like mini, mini series of the year because it's only three issues, although they are oversized issues each time. And this was Deceased Unkillables uh, by our often recommended writer Tom Taylor and art by Carl Moster, who um, who just kills it in this. So slightly bigger issue this. I'm always slightly wary of titles that are sort of connecting titles. You know, Deceased was very much a big hit in the store. Deceased Dead Planet was announced, and the first issue of that's come out since. But Unkillables was seen as the connecting series. Three issues was going to focus on sort of B-list characters. That what You know, there's no Superman in this. There's no Batman. There's no, you know, all those big level characters are in the main title. This is more focusing on Red Hood and on Commissioner Gordon, and on Deathstroke, and those kind of characters. So the idea with Deceased Unkillables was, to this point, was that heroes and villains had sort of banded together to fight the undead. And they had come across these kids in an orphanage, and they had made it their mission to protect the kids from the horrors of this world. And that's where this title got really good in issue two, because... It showed like Gordon and Deathstroke, who would always be in complete opposite sides of the law uh, and have totally different ways of life. The kids were referring to the two of them as their two dads 
because they made it their mission to protect the kids. And what's great about Deceased Unkillables, and again, I'm going to sound like a broken record because we said about Tom Taylor all the time, but I don't know another writer out there who balances different genres in one book so well. This is at times horror. It's at times comedic. It's action-packed. It's thrilling. It's got witty one-liners. But like the horror is very real in it. And he's really good at just turning a scene on its head. So to give you an example, you know, you, you start the book and Bane has been infected um, and is now part of the, the sort of the zombie apocalypse, so to speak. And the first panel is Bane running at uh, Gordon Deathstroke and all the kids. And the narration is hell had come to the orphanage. You know, and the guys are running inside and it's inside, stay away from where windows and mirrors. And Bane is just charging at them. And then you turn the page. Solomon Grundy comes out of nowhere, jumps, and the narration is, Bane has, uh, was strong, in ter- and humanly so. Solomon Grundy was a whole other thing. And Solomon Grundy literally rips his head off his shoulders, throws it at another undead one that smacks the undead uh, zombie in the face. And then Creeper says, oh, wow, that is the first headbutt I've ever seen without a body behind it. <laughs> so in the space of two and a half pages, it went from this pure fear and horror of this unstoppable machine being with this bloodthirst to Solomon Grundy taking him out and then a joke being made. It was It's just so brilliantly written and the kids are fully rounded characters in it. This, this whole issue is very much just a fast-paced action issue. It's them. They've essentially come up with a plan to get to the Gotham jungle because this virus is uh, that's turning everybody essentially into zombies is technology based. They want to get to uh, the jungle where there's no technology there and people and they might have a chance of survival. But it's just as I say, fast paced. It's fun. It's funny. It makes heroes out of characters you would normally never sort of care too much about in a in a comic you know there'd be even c-list characters um but it also remembers the past as well because wonder woman's the main big character that comes into this she's one of the infected and she's like the most powerful of them all and they still find time in this for her and cheetah to have a, a standoff and have a fight so it's still going back to the rivalries that have been established in comics as well um yeah just get tom taylor to write everything uh just he's just so so good at what he does and then you get through it all and it's fast paced it's action based you know there's a there's a great little twist at the end which i'll not i'll not go into too much detail on just in case you haven't read it but you know at the very end there's uh they've managed to build a statue of some of the people who have fallen i'll not say who they were but you know there's there's literally just this full page statue at the end and there's this narration from the kids saying they were the best, no matter what they'd been before, no matter what they thought of themselves. They gave their lives for us. We could never see them as evil. They were our heroes. And then the, the statues, it says below it, villains, saviors, family, tree lobsters, which is you know, sort of an inside joke early on. <laughs> but yeah, just thoroughly, thoroughly brilliant series. I really can't recommend it enough. I, I personally think it's better than Deceased was uh maybe it just came in with less expectations i don't know but and and where does this this falls between uh the original deceased series and the the new one which is called yeah uh, deceased dead planet so planet yeah this essentially takes place one of the reasons that issue two was so good is because the 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 sort of heroes and villains that have banded together trying to save the kids 
they don't have the heart to tell the kids that their heroes have abandoned them because at the end of the season, the you know the surviving heroes go off planet and go to settle somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's set there, and it's sort of set in the aftermath of who was left behind, and <coughs> pardon me, who was not deemed worthy enough almost to you know go to this new Nirvana, so to speak, and they they do nothing but prove that they were worthy. You know, it's just it's an incredible amount of depth in what is essentially just you know a gory action-packed horror comic but it's just got such heart to it and again that's what we you know say about tom taylor all the time and he just proves it time and time and time again um so yeah even if you haven't read the first deceased i would i would even read this but as a as a continuation of that story and then lead up to dead planet which i also thought was very good but doesn't qualify for this podcast based on our (laughs) date ranges uh just a brilliant brilliant title and again cannot recommend it enough um, i've wanted to talk about that for about two months as if you couldn't tell and i seem to be the first person to read it in sort of our sort of main chat group and no one else had read it and was like i need to talk to someone about this <laughs> so yeah and the artist as well carl moster he's very much an up-and-coming artist and uh you know he's, he's really breaking in at the moment and i expect to see him on a lot more titles stellar artwork through it as well just very visceral and action-packed so uh yeah that was my first choice which uh was two and a half months in the making and that is deceased on killables number three uh by tom taylor uh so i'll just throw in another one just quickly that certainly that i really enjoyed and i didn't know how to take it at first um dc have been doing all of these 80th anniversary specials and i always worry that they're sort of a cash grab sort of an excuse to slap a ten dollar price point on a book um you know you can pull in big name creators but if they've only got eight to ten pages to tell a story is it a story worth telling is it a story that's going to add anything to the canon yes you know can't beat an anthology (laughs) (laughs) no but this is what i mean though when when i read this this is one of the best examples of an anthology outside of you know tales from fractured yeah. words you know good stuff this, good stuff. this is one of the best examples. That's the top, top plug <laughs> available at coffin heroes at all times um yeah so the one that i wanted to throw out a bit of love for was the joker 80th anniversary uh i stand by that this cover does not look like john travolta despite what vicky says she uh, slightly ruined that for me um but yeah to give you some insight uh to the level of talent involved with this so what you've got in the Joker one is nine individual stories. Uh, and then you've got like a series of pinups as well. So artists have just been given license to do like a pinup interpretation of Joker. So the, the talent involved, like the first story is Scott Schneider and Jock, Black Mirror team right there. The next one is James Tinney and the fourth, current Batman writer, Mikel Yannon as the artist, Batman all over. Uh, the next one is by Greg Witta and Greg Miller with Dan Mora, who we love so much from Once in Future as the artist. You've got one from Denny, sadly recently departed, Denny O'Neill, uh, with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez on pencils. You've then got Peter J. Tomasi, who's doing such great work on detective comics at the moment, with Simone Bianchi on art. You've then got animated series, you know, royalty, Paul Dini writing a story with Riley Rossmo's artist. Then you've got Tom Taylor as writer, which, uh, with Eduardo Risso as artist, which that one was my second favorite story, uh, only because the Schneider Jock one's so good. Uh, then you've got one by Eduardo Medeiros and Rafael Albuquerque with Albuquerque on art. And then you've got two more to finish. Uh, sorry, you've actually 10 stories, not nine, 10. Then you've uh, one written by Tony S. Daniel with art by Tomo Mori. 
And then the last one is Bran Azzarello, writer, and Lieber Mayo as artist. And what the reason I enjoyed this anthology so much is because it shows how versatile an interpretation of this character can be. You know, the Joker at his base level is just an insane madman. But they play with this idea so much in this book, and that's what's interesting about it. The first um, story is uh, very much part of the Black Mirror um, legacy with Jock and Schneider working together. And it's to do with the psychiatrist trying to get sort of trying to help people deal with encounters they've had with a Joker. Uh, but of course not, you know, maybe looking closer to home. The second story has become quite an important one simply because uh, Tinian has introduced this new character called Punch. And this is her origin story. But the one I wanted to point out that I was just chatting about there, the Tom Taylor one, <laughs> is pretty outstanding. Uh, <laughs> it finds dark humor in um, in essentially the macabre. You've got this little kid who is talking about how no one will come to his birthday party. So the Joker decides he's going to find loads of people to come to the kid's birthday party. So the, the kid is um, he's the kid of one of the Joker's henchmen. So he is. And the Joker basically just goes all around town, terrorizes people, and is saying things like, you will go home, you will wrap your most prized toys with care and bring them. You will bring snacks, orange ones that pretend to be cheese, and you will bring whimsical party paraphernalia. Or if any of it is lacking in whimsy, I will cook and eat your pets. Uh, so he essentially is trying to... It, it's a really nice idea of trying to help this kid feel popular and feel loved and people at his party. But he's doing it all through fear. <laughs> and it's just, it's such a great story. Um, but the kid himself, you know, the, the Joker gets on well with him because the kid is one of those kids that is a bit of a loner and, you know, experiments on bugs and, you know, pulls the legs off flies and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the one that I really enjoyed and that actually stood out the most surprisingly, it was was actually by Gary Witta and Greg Miller as writer and Dan Mora, as I, as I mentioned before, on art. Ah, oh, cool. This story was basically, what would the Joker do if Batman's dead? And it's essentially, like, you think that, the, you know, the Joker has no purpose in life if Batman is dead. And you would think he would be happy that Batman's dead, but no, it, it sort of goes all this stuff about, you know, what what's the point of being the clown prince of crime if it's so easy and there's no fun in it? Who's supposed to challenge me? Gotham's finest, they're more crooked than I am. The alien boy scout, strong, fast, and dumb as a rock, pass. Maybe it's time for a fresh start, a career change. But what else is a fiendish, merciless, psychotic, cold-blooded maniac and only other, who only gets off on tormenting others supposed to do? And he ends up working in the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> just a really, it's only like six pages, but it's just a really fun story. You know, like they reveal that Bruce Wayne was Batman and, you know, there's interviews with Alfred and all this kind of stuff. But I thought as an anthology, it worked really, really well. It showed the versatility of the character. I thought the... The last story was very good, which was a bit of a take on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, with Bran Azzarello and Bermeo, I thought was very good. It was called Two Fell Into the Hornet's Nest. Uh, so a nice little play on words there. So, yeah, just a really, really strong anthology all around, I thought. Um, oh, how, does, how does it compare? Because there's quite a few of them came out around this time wasn't there catwoman and green lantern yeah there's... and there was even there was wonder woman but that wasn't the 80th anniversary wasn't that 750 wonder woman or something yeah it was, i think it if was, my memory serves it was wonder woman came out it was to celebrate sort of landmark issue 
Uh, and then it was the same with uh, the Flash 750. But the 80th anniversary ones were all essentially Batman villains because, you know, you had Detective 1000 yeah. and then, you know, all this kind of stuff. In terms of anthologies, I thought the Robin one was very, very strong. Uh, a lot of good Nightwing stories in there. A lot of a, a really good Damian Wayne story in there. So I really enjoyed the Robin one. The Catwoman one was up and down for me. You'll be none too surprised to hear my favorite story was a Tom Keane one with Mikkel Yannon, but it's because it fit into Tom Keane's run. And I think it's sort of foreshadowing uh, Batcat, which is on the way. Green Lantern, have any of you two read out of pure interest? I'm interested. I've, I've I'm looked interested. at it on the shelf and I've it's, been tempted by it a few times. It's worth it just for the second story, which Jeff Johns writes. Uh, there's a great, great Jeff Johns story in there. And it's all about Hal is stranded on this planet. And I can't believe you got me talking about a different comic here. So <laughs> Hal Jordan's essentially stranded on another planet and he's got just enough um, will left in the ring to make three phone calls. So it's all about who would the last three people he phoned be. I'll, I'll just leave it at that, but it's a really, really nice story. The Green Lantern awesome. one was very strong. I think I'm not the biggest Green Lantern guy, so I think people with more knowledge than myself would get more out of it. But it also, a bit like the Robin one, it was able to showcase different Green Lanterns there's also a great story where like four of them reunite at once a year to have a drink, which is really, really good and sort of tell stories of their favorite adventures. So it worked because it wasn't just a, a Hal Jordan book. It was, you know, Guy Gardner. It was uh, John Stewart. It was um, even the newer ones that have come into it as well. So the Green Lantern one was good, I have to say as well. So the, they've all been pretty strong. They've, they've put good creators on it, but the Joker one, again, it, it comes down to my preference for Batman. It stood out really strongly for me. The Robin one was my was my favorite. I think you you loaned it to me. Um, I really really enjoyed it. It was really good, really good quality for this. Uh, I mean, uh, it was this this was a wee bit up and down for me. Um, I did enjoy. I really enjoyed that birthday bugs, the Tom Taylor one. Um, I quite enjoyed uh, James Tilly and the Fourth's uh, punchline yeah. origin as well. Uh, Mikael Yannon's art was fantastic on it. Um, Denny O'Neill's story felt like a Denny O'Neill, like late seventies Batman story. Yeah, uh, you know there was a wee bit of, as you said, a wee bit of whimsy in it. Um, so th those would were, were sort of my standouts there. But uh, I'll maybe give it, I'll maybe give it another read now. I have to say, um, and the the pinups throughout were lovely. Yeah, same again. You know, bringing on great artists there. You know, Fiona Staples was a, a delight to see. Actually, she did a. A Joker pinup at the end, obviously does such great work on Saga, um, mm. which I thought was really, really good. But no, I, I, I just thought pretty much every story was strong. I, I have to say, but again, that comes down to my preference for you know Batman, and and things set within that world as well. So, but yeah, the birthday party story is just utterly, utterly brilliant. Um, so, yeah, great stuff. Um, so yeah, I really dug it. I think it was the biggest selling of all the. 100 page giants but again i think that's again because of the popularity of batman so uh so yeah so that was the sort of my second pick which was the joker 80th anniversary special so i'm gonna uh, give you the floor then keith for you to go for a dc pick yeah cool um so i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up uh john constantine hellblazer number seven uh, i could equally have picked number six or I, I over the past uh, few months we have had a number of I think maybe one or two Hellblazers on our on our picks, but uh, this is just going from strength to strength. Uh, Simon Spurrier is is building a 
he's building a much more epic story. He's building a long-form story with uh, a series of vignettes or two-parters or, 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 or one-shots within the series. It's part of the Sandman universe. It's on the Black Label title. It's a, it's a sort of mature... Um, Mature audience. Uh, Aaron Campbell's on pencils on this one, and Jordi Belair is on inks. But uh, this takes place around Billingsgate Fish Market in London, um, and it just this story just stuck with me for some reason. It, it's it's there's a wee bit of horror in it. There's a wee bit of uh, fairy tale in it. Um, it's a mermaid story. Uh, takes place at a fish market, um, and uh, there was a there was a realization in it that obviously was was well plotted by uh, by Simon Spurrier that just got me at the end and just, I think, it stuck with me for, for days after. Uh, but Constantine's great character. He's been, he's been written well. The overall arc, you know, is that, you know, the 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 older John Constantine from the one-shot, the, the John Constantine from the Vertigo universe is is up. He, he's he's in this DC universe. He's in the, the, the... And he's he's setting himself up against our John, um our John Constantine and uh, it's it's clearly not going to go well and, and he's doing that by by using his magic to influence people or giving gifts of magic to to to, to individuals and, and causing problems for John you know and, and and slowly but surely painting a picture as John comes to realize that he's he's up against himself or a, a more experienced version of himself but uh, this story tells of a, a t- and it's set against the backdrop of uh, of um I guess you know Brexit and and uh, racism and, and anti-European uh, sentiment, you know that sort of thing. So, and the the narrator in it is we're we're not sure who the narrator is, but it's someone with a with a, a poetic lilt about them, you know, and uh, and all of that. But it's set at this fish market. John comes to investigate. There's there's a fishmonger who's uh, who's selling you know he's selling fish and he seems a wee bit evasive. You know, John makes out like he's a you know he's he's fisheries or something and he's john's investigating something else from a previous story uh that, that has led him here and uh, it turns out that uh turns out that this mysterious gentleman gave this uh this fishmonger this, he's a fisherman a young guy you know and he's 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 the butt of the jokes of the older fishermen in the pub um you know he's uh they're all talking about quotas they're all talking about the french they're all talking about the spanish they're they're listening to uh to a guy who's who's clearly a Nigel Farage on the on the TV talking about the French and the Dutch and the Belgians and the the great armadas of of history our our lads our nets our you know Jeff generations you know all that sort of crap um, you know but uh, but uh, anyway this young guy um, this young guy Freddie uh, who's always the butt of the jokes he comes across a he comes across a charmer he's given a charm and and with that charm. Uh, or that whistle, it's a, a conch shell. He uh, he blows it and he summons a, a mermaid, and that that mermaid, you know, they 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 start up a relationship and and that, and uh, while she is ensorcelled by this magical item to do whatever this Freddy asks of her, she she appears to be in love with him, while he is just using her to prey on the on the spanish crews and the and the french crews and and all of that and uh he starts to because he becomes more successful you know his, his nets are always full because she's you know chasing fish into his nets and whatnot and he becomes more popular he becomes more popular with his contemporaries he becomes more popular with uh with, with women in the pub and you know it's just it's a really dark it's a really dark story um 
how it how it turns out. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to sort of give too much away at the end of it. But uh, it's it's a it's a toxic it's a toxic relationship uh, in a in a very hellblazer world um, that sort of just goes from from bad to worse. And uh, I, I don't know if there's a follow up to it here. Uh, there's a, a really jarring image at the end, and whenever you realise you know what the fish that he's selling is it's uh it's a real it's a real moment um and it looks like it's looks like it's gonna yeah it is actually it's a part one it's called britannia, britannia rule the waves part one uh so part two is uh, is in the next issue and uh it seems that things have changed from love to revenge by the end of the story um so uh really looking forward to to seeing where this goes um but yeah really i think you used the word macabre earlier on uh, Alan, yeah, uh, and I think I think uh, Hellblazer number seven very much, uh, very much uh, deserves that particular uh, description. So, uh, I, you guys on Hellblazer? Are you reading Hellblazer at all, Roddy? Are you tra- you're no, trade waiting it, aren't um, you? I'm gonna see. I was gonna trade weights, <laughs> but how? Well, this is just gonna be a bit off kilter. How easy is it to procure the the earlier ones? I'll not lie it's to tough, you. Issue two is an absolute pain, and it's you know something that we chat about it's in this all, podcast. Always. But it's yeah. it's something we talk about. It's the the sort of the dark side of the industry, if you will. Uh, like I was trying to procure a number two for a customer, and the last one I saw sell was in the twenty five to thirty pound range. Uh, Trade winning, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not be part of that. It's it again. It's it's the dark side of the industry sometimes that you know sort of really does not benefit people who maybe missed out and something and want to go back and retrace it. It can be a real pain. And you know, as much as we sing Donny Cates's praises for how good his storytelling is, his is one of the because he's so good at creating new characters. So many people then buy up his books and then try to sell them and make a profit long way down the line that kind of thing but uh no i mean i i'm on hellblazer so i'm 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 really really enjoying it i think it's it's the most vital hellblazer has felt for a long time uh i think there was good stuff in the rebirth run and you know for me he's been at his best in justice league dark for a long time until this came along but it, it just Spurrier just gets it. He just gets the character, and he gets it's the way we talk about it with Tom Taylor as well. He gets the dark humor of John and the bitterness and the world weariness, but that reluctant hero stuff. He just gets it really, really well. And uh, yeah, I've I've been digging Hellblazer pretty much since it it was announced it was coming back in the the Sandman Definitely. universe. So uh, strong, strong title. So it is. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Roddy. I think I might just have to be traded. I do apologize. Right. I'll have to wait like a year to see <laughs> to see that, what that uh, fishmonger is selling. <laughs> that trade is out on the 29th of September, 2020. It, uh, it was one of my picks in the previous podcast. If you missed that and want to go back to it, dear listeners. Uh-huh. Indeed, indeed. So, so cool. So that was uh, one of Keith's picks. That was Hellblazer number seven. So I'm going to totally do an about turn here and recommend a Tom Taylor DC title. <laughs> this is this is actually ridiculous, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. All the Toms. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one that I know that I think we're all enjoying as well. And yeah. it would be a title that, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the Rorschach title, Keith was saying how maybe he wouldn't be 
overly fussed on it except Tom Keane's writing it. Suicide Squad's something that I don't have a lot of experience with. It's not something I particularly go out of my way to read. But once Tom Taylor was coming on it, it was a case of, I may give this a go. And it's a series that, for me, has only went from strength to strength. As he's introduced these new characters, they feel like they've been in DC lore for years. You know, they, they feel very rounded, uh, very three-dimensional characters. If any of the issues so far were sort of just a really good one-shot to enjoy, it was this one. The issue six, essentially, I, again, I'm living up fully to type here. The cover has a huge image of Batman t- towering over the Suicide Squad, and it's called Enter the Bat. But essentially what this this one-shot issue is, is the remaining surviving members of the Suicide Squad have now went to Gotham, and they've went to this back alley doctor to get the um, the devices moved out of their necks so that they can't essentially have their heads exploded. And while they're there, Batman finds out that they're there and he confronts them. That's the simple crux of this story. But to simplify it that much is doing it such a disservice because the, the banter and the back and forth that Tom Taylor does between all of these characters is brilliant. I have to say, uh, I mean, you've got such a diverse range of characters. You've got Finn, Wink, Osita, Harley, the Airy, Deadshot, Deadly Six, Chaos Kitten. But you never feel lost or overwhelmed by the, the volume of characters in this because there's such a group dynamic to it. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, Alan. You're not going to believe this, mm-hmm. but I am finding Harley Quinn bearable in this in this Holy book. moly. Oh yeah, no, of course. What what's the line where she's like stop stop Batmaning? Stop Batmaning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it reminds me, have you watched the cartoon, Keith? Which? Uh the Harley Quinn one. Oh, that'd be too far. That'd be a step too far for no, me. No, you'd I be don't surprised. Think it, be. it is very, very good. Okay. Being, yeah. being just superb. And you know what the the funny thing is, Alan, you know, although although Batman's in this, they they definitely make him a supporting character to the to the main team. Oh very you know, much so, yeah, yeah. You know, and to some extent, they sort of make fun of him a wee bit. Oh, you know, Tom Taylor yeah. makes fun of him a bit. You know, which is which is which is I thought was was very very humorous. You know, because he doesn't compromise Batman's character in any way, but just the light in which you see him. You know, which is yeah. the point of view of the Suicide Squad is just a wee bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I would I would fully agree with that. He, he he doesn't compromise his values or his morals, but he definitely allows it to be a character to poke fun at a little bit i think is is fair to say and you know he has this grand entrance as you say some great you know harley dialogue you know it's not the first time i've stood on a dark gotham street surrounded by mysteriously unconscious people i'm not gonna lie then you turn the page it's like it's never ended well and batman's behind her (laughs) and uh, then you get that sort of stop batmaning line because you have the the teleporter who's able to you know move people all around yeah. But even they use that to teleport Batman around and he's falling and he's still able to use his skill and reflexes to land properly. But the last sort of six, seven pages of the issue is essentially Deadshot versus Batman and all the rest of them have been teleported out of there. And it's just it's a really good fight in which uh, Deadshot holds his own. But just as he's about to be <laughs> punched by Batman, this is one of the greatest page turns in modern <laughs> comics <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. This is what a page turn was designed for. And as Batman's just coming towards Deadshot, there's just this loud scream of stop. And then you turn the page and Deadshot's holding up a dog. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm holding a dog. Truce. <laughs> and even Batman can't. He, he's no uh, response to that, really. 
But then they have quite an interesting conversation as well where, you know, Deadshot's been pardoned. He's actually done enough good work as part of the Suicide Squad at this point where he has been fully pardoned. Despite the fact they hadn't let him know. Yeah, exactly. And he shows Batman this and he says, I was pardoned. And Batman says, not by me. And Deadshot says, that's not how the law works. Are you breaking the law now? Uh, So he's actually kind of got him there, but... But then you get this wonderful nine-panel grid that Tom Keane would be proud of on the last page. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so, so Batman realizes he's he's looking around and he can't see the Batmobile, and Deadshot goes, "Everything okay? You've usually disappeared by now. My car's gone. Oh, that would probably be Wink. She wouldn't have taken it far. They had to get it on a plane. It was locked <laughs> and impenetrable. She's a teleporter, also a thief. You uh, want me to call you an Uber?" You want me to call you an ambulance? <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? And Bruno, Bruno Redondo Bruno. really shines in this one, I think. Just yeah. an absolutely... The way he draws Batman as well is really unique, I thought. But he really... There's such expressiveness in his characters. And um, here's Adriano Lucas, who does the colours as well. I really love the colours in this book. They're so vibrant. And yeah. Yeah, it's stunning, stunning piece of work, and it's it's only getting better as well because we're gonna get Deadshot is the next one called like Deadshot shoots for home or something. So I think we're gonna get some really cool character work, and going forward in the series, I think there'll be room for like little one shots here and there, given a bit more backstory. So yeah, yeah, I am loving this, and like I'm not a big Suicide Squad fan, not a big Harley fan, but I find. They certainly shine in this one. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good year and a half for the character of Harley Quinn between Harleen and then this. You know, the the character's actually bearable these days. You know, so. But yeah, Suicide Squad, totally agree. Strength to strength, only getting better as Tom Taylor gets more comfortable with the characters and the dynamics and so forth. So I just hope it's not going to be another rug pull like Friendly Neighborhood where we could have read that series for a hundred issues and then it, it turned out to be sort of uh, 17, yeah, 18, you yeah. know? So we'll, we'll see how long the suicide squad run is, but honestly guys, it's, it's one, I do think it's one of the best titles DC are pumping out at the moment. And, uh, I promise that's the end of my Tom Taylor love in for the evening. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll uh, see. <laughs> also brings an end to the DC portion of the reviews as well. So, so that was two Marvel titles and then four DC titles. So that leaves us with nine titles, and they're all indie titles from diverse publishers as well, which is good. There's They range from number ones to the end of story arcs to original graphic novels. So there's a great diverse range of stuff here. Uh, I think it's uh, this is a title of yours to kick off with first, Roddy, I believe, which I will tentatively describe as Cowboy Noir. Mm. Or neo western. <laughs> I think either work for either definitely work, and this is a quality. So you're talking book. about this one, right? Uh, I don't think that's the one. Obviously, <laughs> this works very well in a listening medium for you people. Uh, yeah, listening to us, but joke. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about this Texas blood. You mean oh, which, you mean that wow. Texas blood? That Texas blood, yeah. <laughs> this that. Um, but yeah, so this is this is Chris Condon with Jacob Phillips, who's the son of Sean Phillips, artist of Criminal. Jacob also does the. I think he started doing the colors not so long ago on Criminal, 
but he's utterly fantastic artist. Um, yeah, this one's called Number One, The Casserole Dish, which is a great title for a book. <laughs> I don't even know where to do it where to begin with it it's just beautiful really beautiful book the main crux of the story is we're introduced to uh sheriff bob coates on his 70th birthday and it's sort of it's very the book is very meditative shall we say um things like paris texas no country for old men that sort of vibe it also had a wee true detective vibe that i kind of got going through it um there's a lot of focus on sort of texas as this sort of dusty fairy tale noir world um it's entirely self-contained the so sheriff bob basically wakes up talking to his wife on his 70th birthday and he's like i thought it would feel different and then there's there's loads of little seed planting which i really like you think it's you think at the start it's going to be one thing but then by the end it just turns it on its head and it's completely great so there's a little hint in at the start of what's to come we have little snippets on sheriff bob's wall he's got sort of like a few pictures of him shaking hands then there's like local officer takes down satanic something at midnight he's got like a few newspaper clippings it's a really good start to a series and it's a really good what i really enjoyed about it is it's very slow and it's very languid but it's very deliberate at the same time it knows what it's doing there's a lot of character work with um old sheriff bob so it's just fantastic and i love the way i love the layouts in it um i love this sort of scratchy style that jacob phillips has there's a lot of there's a lot of unique panels there's like some some pages have like 10 panels on them little small boxes just to keep little small boxes which kind of have small movements within them there's no maybe like something like suicide squad you're getting like five panels per page and the action just keeps moving this one it's very slow the movement is very very slow paced but yeah, Sheriff Bob, he goes about, he be, he's basically on the hunt for this casserole dish for about half the issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm not selling it to you, but it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it really is, you know, his, his wife's making him a birthday dinner, isn't that right? And she needs her casserole dish that she yeah. she loaned to a neighbour uh, some some weeks ago and said that it was never returned, uh, I think was the was was the gist of that particular uh, bit of it, wasn't yeah. it, Roddy? Um, That's it. There, that uh, that that first that opening scene, uh, you know, with with the sheriff turning seventy and the way he's approaching it, you know, it it reminded me of the opening episode of Breaking Bad a wee bit as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's that, but uh, I'm definitely on the vibe for this with uh, Undone by Blood as well. You know that neo yeah, neo western yeah. noir, uh, which you were kind enough to to introduce me it's, to. But um, anyway, yeah, there's. A, a, with this being a number one, I think it deserves to be read, and hopefully Alan was very kind and kind to give me his copy, and then he sourced another one for himself. So I don't know. It's at the sort of point where you can jump on, so I don't want to get too big into any sort of spoilery territories. Let's just say it gets very bloody and kind of messed up, shall we say, and 
he does succeed in getting the casserole dish, but he basically gets an entire amount of problems to deal with after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, well worth jumping on if you can find a copy of it. I'd say really, really, if it's you're kind of into these modern, updated westerns, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's got that yeah. uh, definitely got that true detective vibe to it, which I really enjoy. You know it. It's not afraid to segue into the supernatural a little bit. Uh, there's obviously a lot of contemplation in terms of, you know, a life well lived and, you know, with him being 70 years old and, you know, he's sort of thinking about what his life has meant. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, there's great character work in it, I have to say as well. Just little tiny details, you know. You know, he's at the convenience store chatting to the guy who runs a, you know, slow way of life and... Yet the um his wife's calling through in the radio saying, Don't you be in that jerky and he's like, Oh, the less she knows. You know, it's it's got these great little character beats, you know, even how he he likes to use the walkie because, you know, his wife doesn't like to use the phone and stuff like that. There's <laughs> it's just so deliciously old school character based. It's I mean it it's an easy comparison to make and I hope it doesn't come across as a lazy one, but it really does remind me of criminal. Uh just character works character yeah. tropes and it's it's criminal but sort of set almost in the old west you know but it's the modern west obviously uh i even like on the opening page where you see just uh you see the map for texas and it says it's like a whole other country texas state travel guide <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this is this is set in a in a uh it's an imaginary state of texas isn't it yeah i think yeah. they i think they made it up but it's i think they they talk about it in the last set the back that it's yeah, it is made up. County. Yeah. yeah um but yeah it was just i mean the 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 atmosphere in this book is just it's just the oozing out of it like it's mm-hmm. it's absolutely yeah. fantastic um there there was a just this feeling that you know whenever he's wandering around and he's you know he's he's doing those jobs that he's not he's not doesn't seem to be doing any real sheriffing you know as 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 we would think about it you know i mean he's he's killing he's killing errant snakes in people's gardens and you know he's uh he's more or less killing time is what he is yeah i think that's exactly what it is he's he's killing time he's in this job because his daddy was in the job wasn't that right and Mm -hmm. that wasn't that wasn't yesterday and uh He's, he seems well liked, but uh, you know. But then there's there's a bit, wee bit of backstory he goes into his history a little bit, and then you know, as uh, there was just just a feeling that something was going to happen. There was just a yeah, like every, a really uneasy yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah, really uneasy is a really really good way of putting it, Roddy. Um, you know, so it's uh, something yeah. very hard to do within a you know twenty thirty odd page comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's just, just it's that. small beats, you know. That's that's the sign of good writing. You know, it's, you know, we we talk about it a lot. You know, efficiency of storytelling, but this is sort of efficiency of character development, I think. Mm. And it, that, that's where the noir thing comes from. And even just that, there's there's a set of four panels, sort of towards the end, you know, that 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 are set just after everything goes down, and he, you know, he gets back in the car, and and uh, he's obviously he's obviously on the radio to his wife, and he says, well. I found that casserole dish. <laughs> it's just, it's so I just, good. I just thought it would feel different. Yep, yeah, yeah. So I'll crack him first uh, issue. I think this will turn into a, into a great series for for Image, and you know Jacob Phillips doing his dad proud. 
I have to say. <laughs> and uh, both uh, both Chris Condon and, and Jacob Phillips were were very quick to tweet back whenever we uh, we variously uh, variously complimented them on what they'd done here. So yeah. Uh, so oh really? Oh very good. Chat. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Great. Great choice, Roddy. Uh, I would have had that one if you didn't. I see. A, I see a theme emerging so, because I think this next one is. You know, another popular choice. Uh, so why don't you fire us another number one then, Keith? Another image book, I believe. Yeah, so so this may well be my uh, top choice of the of the uh, top top pick of, of, of the picks of the pandemic. Um, this is uh, Matt Fraction's new book uh, with the Dodsons uh, on art. Uh, Adventure Man number one. It's cover dated uh, June 2020. Uh, it's a double size issue. Um, Terry and Rachel Dodson cover, um, and from start to finish, it just is pulp. It's pulp. It's uh, Matt Fraction. I mean, he, he doesn't need any introduction. He's he's currently doing some some really fantastic work on uh, on Jimmy Olsen, which is one that uh, that you had to convince me round to, Alan. But some great great stuff. Historically, has his his output is just fantastic. Uh, some of my favorites but um but yeah this this seems to follow it you know it, it starts with what looks like a an alternative uh what seems to be an, an alternative universe it's it's set in that sort of 30s you know that uh art decor sort of art deco sort of era um and uh we're introduced to uh adventure man who is you know the the, the ultimate pulp hero um you know he's got the he's got the the, the the big up top you know small down the bottom he's got knee high boots you know he's got those those sort of trousers that puff out at the sides you know he's just and and his uh and his crew um you know uh jim royale the gentleman chigali the super pharmacologist science witch akal the timeless one uh sally sweet the ac of atrix uh <laughs> lolly langolis the brawler of the bowery and uh Federa fandom, the ghostly saint of the burlesque. So, uh, and they're they're and 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 typical pulp fact, you know, pulp sort of way. They they all have their their powers gifted to them by, by by drinking whatever the secret serum is, you know, and all of this stuff. So, so they uh, they take on uh, the, the the group assemble and they take on the Baroness Bazaar, who is the the uh, the daughter of, uh, of of Baron Bazaar and uh, and her equivalent evil team and all the way through it's just action packed it's kabooms it's uh, you know it's it's just pure tongue in cheek pulp uh, yeah, there's there's not too much more to, to say about it than that but but the uh, this is just the, the the story is is I guess is bookended by. Uh, by a, a mother reading her uh, reading her son um, this tale of adventure man and and, and and we switch very very suddenly to what seems to be the the real world a single mum you know her her plucky her plucky youngster uh, and, and and reading a bedtime story and uh, and uh, the the kid is really upset that this is the ending how, how is this the ending you know? Uh, you know everything will be okay in the end. Everything will be okay in the end. But what you know, this isn't okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, the mother says, she says, Tommy, it, it was the end of his adventures, uh, not ours. So uh, we're in, we're in it just to uh, we're in it just to. I'm I'm trying to to remind myself of the uh, 
of the name of the uh, the uh, protagonist, but it's completely gone. Doesn't matter. But she's a member of a big family, a big successful family. The family are variously, variously explorers or uh, or, 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 or or business people or or yes, lawyers or whatever. And she's sort of the the underperformer. She uh, she could have done wonderful things. She she owns this bookshop and she likes nothing better than to sit in the silence of it and, and read and organize. Uh, she's she's hard of hearing and uh, and uses and uses hearing aids and they've got a great uh, a great visual way of of showing that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Alan. You guys both read this book. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. The, they've, they've got a great way of showing the fact that, you know, whenever she's not using her hearing aids or, or whatever, whenever there's a lot of a buzz in the background, so they sort of show you the speech balloons, but you're looking at them through what nearly seems like water, so you can't quite make out what's been said. You think you can, but but you can't quite anyway. But, uh, but yeah, they're a huge family. They, they, they have their various family bits and pieces going on, you know, as I say, you know, Olympic athletes and... Uh, emergency first aid technicians and world-class engineers and, and all of this sort of stuff but but by the end of the tale it seems like the world of adventure man the story that was being told is is starting to impinge on the real world is starting to to impinge on our on our hero and uh, and her family and uh things take a take a turn for the weird you know she doesn't quite believe what's happening. Demonstrates that she has some facility with, uh, with with martial arts and and uh, and fitness and, and and different things like that. And she's a an investigator and a thinker. And uh, and then a new adventure man book appears. It's it's just great stuff. It's it's just really think, really solid murder mystery and you know. I think she was called is a, I can't remember if it's Molly or Holly because there there's a sign that's like it's sort of obscured in the panel and it's like O-L-L-Y's bookshop. I can't remember. I need to, oh, I need to go back and look at it. But, um, I'm going to stop you there, Roddy, and say she's called Claire. Claire? Oh, so she owns Holly's bookstore. <laughs> yeah, if you look be. at it, wait, go go back and look at it. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is just, it's just really solid stuff. Solid storytelling. A great first issue. I don't quite know where it's going. I don't know if if Claire is going to be set up to be the protege of Adventure Man, I don't know, you know, is Adventure Man historic or is he a story? Um, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, there's a lot owed to, to Doc Savage and, and early James Bond and uh, the Phantom and the Shadow, uh, the Shadow and the Rocketeer, uh, you know, so it's... Uh, I almost think, for me, there was... I like I did enjoy it, but I think there was almost too much in it for me. It sort of was like overload of everything pulpy, but I definitely I definitely enjoyed the story of it all. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I, I did I don't think it grabbed me quite as much as it did you. Mm. And I know I think the 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 store was quite divided on it. Oh um, really? By and large, um, most people seem to be really enjoying it. A, a lot of guys jumped straight on it in terms of getting it on their pulls and making sure they had from issue two onwards for it. It, it is interesting. I, I think it's to a degree it's a fair point that there is a lot going on in it. 
but I kind of think that adds value to it as well because I actually read it twice. Uh, simply, <laughs> oh, well. yeah. simply because there was that big shift. I mean, the fir- it's literally the first half of the book is just straight mm-hmm. out of your pulpy wet dreams. You know what I mean? It's got everything you could want. You know, end of the world scenarios, giant. You know. Uh, blimps in the air it's got you know indiana jones style action and bad guys and and then it obviously does change quite quickly to uh, a different story so i think that it caught me slightly off guard that's why i read it twice but Mm. i also like the idea of the main character being having this flaw you know with being hard Mm -hmm. of hearing and so forth it's you know it's it's nice to see that sort of little bit of extra representation you know heroes of these sort of stories are usually square jawed you know muscle men or you know ridiculously good looking supermodels who also have a degree from harvard you know what i mean it, it's i, I kind of like that it plays on that you know it's interesting Alan, because uh which marvel hero do you do you associate matt fraction with oh hawkeye Okay, who is also hard of hearing? Hard of hearing, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and wears hearing aids, so uh, that's that's kind of interesting. But yeah. uh, you know, I love the I love that real that real idea. You know, you have Adventure Man's uh, group, you know, his team, and then you have, you know, the Baron Baroness Bazaar's team, and you know how they 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 are all their dark reflections of one another. You yeah. know, but the Baroness's team is a dark reflection of. Uh, of, of Adventure Man's team, but it seems that uh, I'm just looking at the, uh, I mean, the Dodson's art throughout is just fantastic. I think it really mm-hmm. suits this, you know, really suits that pulpy style. There's a, a lot going on in it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another read through of this because there's an awful lot going on in the background and there's an awful lot of, you know, I maybe, I maybe missed, but uh, according to the, uh, the very first, uh, the, there's a, a promo print in the back and it say, you know, it sort of indicates where the, uh, where the story might be going. It says the legends are true. The stories are real and his legacy is hers. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think we're, cool. uh, we know where we're at. So yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, as you know, world building. Uh, we never stop talking about it, whether it's Lazarus, whether it's decorum, but uh, there's a lot of world building in this, you know, uh, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, a lot. I, I enjoyed the fact there was a lot going on, Roddy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's worth. It. <laughs> I think it was like sensory <laughs> overload for me. But like that's not a definitely yeah. not a bad thing. I think I'll I'll maybe give it another read. It was oh it was I was just looking. It was her mother's bookstore. Her mother was called uh, Molly. Okay. But yeah. Um, okay. yeah, like I think maybe there was because I was thinking about it. There was a couple of other books that had, I think that had the same device with the narrative novel within the book so maybe that put uh, me off as well yeah, but like no, yeah, no yeah. fault of like this book mm-hmm. not saying anything copied each other or anything you know but because there was we were reading bang which had a little bit of that in it die and what was the other one undone by blood as well had the yep. novel so mm-hmm. i think maybe i'll give it another read and see yeah. take your time with it at, at- yeah, sort of. I really let it infuse me. I really let that 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 nineteen thirties pulp feeling infuse me. You know, stick on stick on some some nineteen thirties jazz in the background and uh, <laughs> and go go for it, Roddy. Definitely, I think you'll you'll enjoy another look. And I mean, come on, the the main character's catchphrase is "What the butts." Come on, <laughs> you know how can you not respect? But no, it's interesting. Just that when you were saying you couldn't find her name, 
her name's only mentioned in the the story once i think and it's where they all shouted at the same time but obviously she can't fully yeah. hear it so it's that because she's referred to as mom the whole way through it because it's, it's very much to do with her and her kid but you know what i would say is that you know that that little uh giveaway promo print you were talking about keith i mean that was in 2017 they said mm. the the seeds for the idea started around 2008 so i think this is a really well researched well-developed world as the other things so you know this mm. has been a long time in the making and seriously you know and fraction is a he is a writer that i you know i love sex criminals you know i love hawkeye keith probably has more knowledge of him because he did a lot of x-men stuff and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that but no, I've I full faith that this will be great, and I also love the fact that, you know, it was tremendous value. It was a traditional four dollar comic, and it was nearly seventy pages. You know, it, oh. it's massive, and then you even get back material as well. And yeah, I mean, I I have to say, I really really enjoyed it. I've read it twice, and I'll probably read it a third time before I read issue two, oh. <laughs> just to really get the vibe yeah. of it. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I mean, yeah, as you say as well, there is there are two two so far not terribly well or clearly related stories going on but i mean that that that's going to become clear so that that could add to the the feeling that there's a lot going on roddy but mm -hmm. you know definitely i mean if, if you're thinking phantom rocketeer the spider and those are is, all my that's my yeah jam. i think this is i yeah, think this, i think this is your jam as well roddy <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be wanting that issue back aren't All you right? Right, okay <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it off air <laughs> cool so that was uh, Adventure Man number one by the incredibly talented team of Matt Fraction and the Dodson Dodsons um, yeah so we'll finish up one that was a, a pick for myself uh, it is a, again another number one so just to keep that theme going this was one that uh, a customer of ours Chris brought to my attention I'll be honest, I think Aftershock release a lot of good material. They just don't seem to be very good at advertising their material. I think you literally, maybe it's a fault of my own. Maybe I don't follow the right creators on Twitter, I suppose. You know, what, what I find in Twitter, you know, we obviously all have our own feelings about what Twitter is these days, but I use it essentially as a tool for keeping up to date with creators that I like and what they're doing. So, you know, maybe I'm not following the right creators. You know, I always know what the next Tom Keane book is, the next Tom Taylor book, the next Donny Cates book, the next Matt Fraction book, the next Chip Zdarsky book. But with Aftershock, I, you know, Aftershock have had great writers writing for them. You know, Garth Ennis has done stuff. Donny Cates has done stuff. Cy Spurrier has done stuff. But this was brought to my attention by a customer. And as soon as I heard the idea for it, I thought this is, this is my kind of thing. So one of my favorite books from the past sort of six to eight weeks was a title called Dead Day. Uh, this is, a, as I say, a number one from Aftershock. It's written by Ran Parrott, who we talked about earlier as taking over the Power Rangers run. I'm going to completely butcher the artist's name. I apologize in advance. I'm, I'm okay with his surname, not the first name, though. Uh, Evegne Bornyakov. And Dead Day is essentially about... So this this uh, phenomenon started sort of a couple of years prior to where we landed in the story, where once a year for 24 hours, the dead come back to life. But it's not a case of the dead come back to life and they are uh, brainless zombies or they just want to kill and, you know, they don't have thoughts. They come back as if they're alive, so to speak. They have their full thoughts. They have all their memories and it becomes an exploration of what if you never got to say goodbye to that one person? What if someone was taken from you before you could say everything you wanted to say to them? 
So you've got those really romantic notions in it, but then you've also got the notions of people who have been wronged, people who would seek revenge, people who maybe died unjustly and you know in a moment in an accident or that kind of thing. So it was just a really really great first issue. I thought uh, the main action falls on a family, and it's eight hours before sunset is when the story begins. So there's already a countdown because it's sunset. That's when the 24-hour period begins, when the dead start coming back. So you start getting introduced to these characters. So you've got this happily married uh, family, uh, husband, wife, and two kids. And the kids all understand what this is as well. It's not like this is adults only. Like People know this is what's going on in the world. And the husband and uh, wife are having a bit of an argument, saying, you know, maybe he won't show. I mean, he didn't last time. You know, and she's saying, look, well, you might be right, but I have to show just in case. So you're setting up this mystery straight away of who this girl is going to meet. You know, she's happily married. The kids are maybe 12, 13 and 10. So they've been together a long time. Uh, so there's that mystery that comes out. You know, there's people in the town who are, have their own conspiracy theories. People think it's aliens. They're raising the dead and a plot to overthrow. So you've got a bunch of people out in the streets, you know, decrying this whole dead day idea um you've you've just got a really good interesting range of characters you've got the Ar the u.s army setting up to patrol the streets in case people get violent you've just got loads of different ideas and i was really really impressed with it um and th that central mystery of who she's going to meet is really interesting as well and you know it's it, it's sort of about you know moving on in life and experiences that you've had in the past with people who have maybe shaped you but you haven't ended up spending your life with that person and that kind of thing so really really impressive uh i managed to get a few extra uh, copies and i might have one or two still in the store i'll, I'll have to double check but um i mean if, i mean even if you just look at the the front cover the front cover alone is a giant iron gate and behind it you can see what are clearly the dead come back to life and there's a oh, there's a multitude of signs so the signs range from dead should stay dead to God is with you, to welcome home grandma, to dead day drink specials, to find your family, 555 dead, to, you know, quoting Bible scriptures and stuff, that kind of thing. Really, really impressive. It, it came out of nowhere for me, as I say, it was just a regular, it mentioned it to me. And I think I'm going to have to start taking more notice of Aftershock books. I think there's some interesting yeah, stuff happening there. I don't know, Alan, because we always, I always feel like we kind of, we do sort of go straight to aftershock in the previews as well mm -hmm. i think we do look through them because i remember we've talked about we talked about a few wasn't there dark red yeah was one certainly talked about but i think maybe once it, the time between something getting announced and then it being in the previews maybe yeah maybe that i don't know maybe the previews don't seem as appealing but um yeah like i'm, I'm sort of gutted i missed this because it sounds great yeah, just really like the really, premise of it. But. Really unique idea, and it's just I mean, uh, looking at the back as well. There's even you know stuff you would love here, Keith. There's even world building. You know, there's you know <laughs> information. Dead day, a family guide to understanding and staying safe during the return of a loved one. You know, there's <laughs> de dead day, the do's and don'ts of dead day. You know, drink and eat responsibly. Expect heavy oh, traffic delays. Fun. You know, prepare, enjoy, survive, and then you've got like. I know people won't be able to see the thing that I'm about to show you, but you've got this lovely little uh, image here of this dead grandmother who's blue in the face. 
sort of waving with a smile on her face as her family are behind so happy to see her you know it's uh it's just a really really good title as i said i was really really blown away by it i have to say it was probably in my top three of those sort of last 10 weeks so to speak or whatever you know so awesome Cool. So that'll bring an end to the, the number ones of the indie stuff. Uh, what we will do now is move on to a few of the ones that have maybe been going for a couple of issues. Uh, I know this is a title you love talking about quite a lot, Roddy, and is definitely one of your favorites around. Uh, so why don't you chat to us about Gideon Falls? Yeah, let's do it. Um, this is, so Gideon Falls, if you don't know, is a sort of rural horror book um by jeff lemire or lemire andrea sorrentino and dave stewart um we're now on to this was issue 22 which came out in june there's not it's kind of a weird one because you guys have only read i think like the first graphic novel or the first issue i think yeah so it's i think it's it's a hard one to talk about because the like Keith, the world building and what what they do is just utterly fantastic. But the reason I love talking about it is the story is fantastic, but the way the story is told is even better because there's so many, uh, whether it's Jeff Lemire or Andrea Sorrentino or both of them that come up with like the panel layouts, it's just utterly fantastic. It's one of the most unique and inventive designs within comics, and I absolutely love it. I just um I always go back to the very first one that had this uh photo um and it was about it had all these polaroids just like flying around and it was about you you would have to think it was about 100 little comic panels and it just looked utterly gorgeous um but yeah this is issue 22 which is the start of a new a new arc called Wicked Worlds part 1 of 5 and this is really something absolutely major happened. The The key of Gideon Falls is this thing called the Black Barn, which is where the majority of the action takes place. And the Black Barn is sort of the crux of the story. Um, it evolves. I don't want to get into like spoilery territories here. But um, yeah, something major happened in issue 21. And it sort of reset the series and put it on a completely different path, which is really interesting to go and discover. So, yeah, get on it. I know, don't want to like spoil anything at this stage for people, but um, it's definitely worth getting into. Definitely worth it. Um, graphic novels are usually pretty easy to come by, I'd say, probably available in Coffee and Heroes. Yeah, first three, but, um, are, first three have become very quickly a uh, series that as soon as it sells, I try to put it straight back in the shelf. Yeah, but... Um, I just had to, I just had to put it in there because I was like, this is, it was one of the best, even though nobody else is reading it. But I'm like, I was determined. I was like, this, this has to go on the list. <laughs> this is, uh, I think this is for me, Roddy. What, uh, or it's, it's certainly becoming it. What, what Oblivion song is to you? Where? Oh, it's the the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where you, where you wanna, you wanna, you wanna talk about it, but you don't wanna spoil it. Whereas Oblivion song, I wanna. We, we, we sort of want to pick every issue and then you're like yeah, oh, don't, want, don't yeah. want to spoil it for Roddy because it's so good you know well if you catch me up on Oblivion song for next time I'll be happy enough how about that perfect perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's an interesting title in general Gideon Falls that 
it sort of the joy of it is the surprises and the storytelling because how it starts issue one is not what it is by issue 10 yeah and it's definitely not what it is by issue 22 yeah <laughs> oh it's just killing you you just want to talk <laughs> yeah it's um i mean i i was always drawn to it because andrea sorrentino big fan of the art style and it's it's one of the more experimental art styles of any book out there i think mm-hmm. the page lights are always interesting interesting shapes and background details and yeah um I, i'm a fan of gideon falls well but i do read it in trades i have to admit as opposed to the singles i but that is a decision i've come to regret uh, i kind of wish i kept up to date with the singles <laughs> so uh cool uh so yeah that was gideon falls number 22 uh how about another indie number two then from yourself keith uh this is uh, this this is the definition right now of a divisive title in the store really is it yeah Right. Uh, we're talking about decorum number two by uh, by Jonathan Hickman uh, and Mike Mike Huddleston. But go ahead. Uh, what what are you saying about it being? Oh no, the nice? the only reason I say it's divisive is because I sometimes think Jonathan Hickman is operating on a higher intelligence plane than most people, and I genuinely think there there are a few people who have come in this store and they've just been like, "This is beautiful," but what the hell is it about? and uh, people who might be one of those people i think this is a title that is going over people's heads a little bit and it, it i don't know it's it's not really a good thing if you have to explain to someone what something's about you know what i mean the work should always speak for itself but i dig it i have to say i'm not always 100 percent sure what's going on but i do enjoy it but now you're going to tell me how it's the greatest thing ever uh written and i'm just not reading between the lines enough <laughs> um so the the story uh there are many many different uh strands to the story and a lot of it is the word that we've used again and again tonight is word building which obviously is a huge uh is a huge thing of me you know it's something i really enjoy thing of me yeah clearly i don't have uh, jonathan hickman's intelligence there um so (laughs) a huge thing that i enjoy uh so you're exactly right i mean this is this decorum is is a book that has been put out by a group of brilliant creative minds that are at the top of their game i think uh yet you couldn't pick up number two without having picked up number one decorum two sort of escalates everything about the series it was it was you know i guess intriguing and fascinating and it looks like it's a, a really ambitious as hell story. I've never seen anything quite like it before. Uh, I don't I know think what that's you fair. think, Alan. I think that yeah. is fair. Um, you, know, and I, you know, at a time when it is difficult to find something new and fresh sometimes, uh, well, I suppose this the is only it. thing like it is Pice and Powers of X, the Jonathan Hickman X-Men stuff, and then Black Monday Murders was, which was another series by him, sort of has the same, same vibes, but not to the extent of, it seems like the entire universe or something. Yeah, I think it's but, fair to say uh, Black Monday Murders is at least set in a representation of the real world. Uh, House <laughs> and Pars is an extension of pre-existing material because of X Men stuff, so it's got a ba- a background basis. This is one of the most original sort of IPs I've seen in a long time. And I can't understand why some people are confused by it. Yep. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, there's 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 a whole whole bunch of different story strands here, and there's probably no point in starting to explain any one of them with with issue two. Um, but I. I'm really interested in reading a wee bit more about Jonathan Hickman and understanding his philosophy, and I think this book might be a really good way to do it. Um, there, there, there's, there's a section of the story that's that's all about various uh, parts of a of a galaxy and a universe and the people that exist there. The core story follows um, uh, the, the the namesake character who is a very very well mannered assassin. Uh, so. You know, and, and we're, we're starting to learn a wee bit about her background in the previous issue. She has met a, a messenger and is, seems to be sort of maybe looking to induct that messenger into the into the, the Guild of Assassins. And I mean, there's there's a whole lot of sci-fi tropes and, and sci-fi words going on here. There are sniffs of Westworld. There are sniffs of the Fifth Element. There's a bit of Blade Runner. There's a wee, wee hint of Star Wars. There's some 2001... <laughs> um, and it's just it's the whole way through it's beautiful mike mike huddleston varies his art based on the on the storyline and we've got uh entire pages of of jonathan hickman you know he you know he loves his his uh ideograms and his you know uh puzzles and and presentation of cultures and and languages and concepts through uh, through symbolism and and also it's it's just really uh, it's really in depth varied varied stuff and uh, just there's there's a way to to make comic books confusing and deep and enjoyable uh, at the same time Jonathan Hickman excels at that. Um, the characters themselves are fairly easily understandable. It's then all the details around that that I think people are getting caught up in. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, for world building and what's turning to be what's what's turning to a really complex uh, story with a whole lot going on, I don't think you can look much further than than decorum and and to see there there's a lot of experimentation and in, in the art and uh, you know we we go from you know, in, in, in one panel, you've got you've got pencil drawn and traditional, and then you know pencil sketches uh, set against sort of traditional uh, comic book line art set against silhouetting, and it's just the whole thing, all in black and white, you know. And then the next page full color, and it's uh, there are, you know, Jonathan Hickman at one point there's a space between a word to, between word balloons. And he has two pages of text to fill that space. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's experimental. It's, I don't know if it's peak Hickman, uh, you know, but it's, it is, I am really, really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the way it makes me feel, the way it makes me think, the way it has me flipping back and forth between pages until I figure out what's going on um, and, and figure out how the various uh, tendrils of the story connect to one another. I suppose that's a very rare thing these days. So you have to commend the sort of the boldness of what he what he's doing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think uh, for that one, I bought issue one. I was like, uh, I think I like this, but I think I'm gonna wait until it's collected because I think maybe then I'll just sit down and you know grab a load of beers and maybe something else and then just read it, read it all. <laughs> 
I don't I think mean, I don't so... think beer is the alcohol you need to go with this. I no, think maybe not. I think a bottle of whiskey might be better, or you know, tequila or yeah. something maybe. <laughs> I don't think that's what Roddy's thinking about. Uh, but, uh, but there's, uh, I mean, there's it's issue two. There's loads and loads of questions that still need answers. There's loads and loads of questions that are asked that you know will probably never be answered. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't quite make a ton of sense yet, but uh but the i mean the characters and the grounding of the characters is solid enough and what they're what they're they're doing what their motivations are is solid enough you know so so don't uh, you also don't don't get well laid you know from you know so it's it's really it's really really fantastic stuff i think it's very brave of of image to do this i think hickman has been building up his profile for so long that you know he's i would love to have seen the pitch for this book how he how he pitched it to image and you know I mean, it's like I'm Jonathan Hickman. Can I? Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe it's come to that, and I, I think yeah. maybe he's, he's had this in the go for a long time, and he's he's maybe shopped it around. And he's thought, right, now's the time, you know. But what is it? It's going to be nine issues or twelve issues. This, or? this is even the confusion to me because there was part of me thought it was an ongoing, and there was part of it's... me remembering it being solicited as six, and then there was talk of nine, and I don't know if there's full clarity on it. If I'm completely honest. Uh, I think there was it was it was in previews. Um, it was solicited as a as a limited series, but I can't remember what it was what it was limited to. Uh, hold on, I'll, uh, yeah. But that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's decorum. It's issue two is just it's beautiful and confusing and interesting, and uh, you know, yeah, take a risk and and pick it up, you know, and get and give it a chance. But uh, it's it's up there. It's up there as one of one of my favorites. Eight issues. It was solicited as eight issues. Cool. Well, it's even interesting as you say. You would have All loved right. to have known what the pitch is for it, because if memory serves, in the previous book, it literally said, uh, "Manners, you know, make the person," and this is the most mild mannered assassin of all. And I think that's yeah. it. I, I yeah. don't remember any more detail than that. And as you say, it was really playing on the idea of trusting creators and trusting a certain style of writer that you like and then they showed previews pages even i remember and some of them were that sort of watercolor you know more expressionist type style but then other parts of it were the the more sort of assassin led which is more traditional comic storytelling i suppose yeah i mean i mean I'm gonna, guy... i'll stick with it definitely because it has to be going somewhere uh it, <laughs> i'm just it, not it, sure it where that is at the moment it absolutely is i mean this guy even just in Marvel, Fantastic Four, uh, FF, the Avengers, the new Avengers, and uh, Avengers, uh, Infinity, you know, all of that stuff was just long, long form storytelling, which is is something. And I think he's going the same way with, with Powers and House, you know. So, uh, so yeah, great stuff. I uh, over the over the lockdown period, whenever comics weren't uh, weren't freely available, uh, I invested in a humble bundle, which was a lot of Hickman stuff. Uh, including you know the nightly news and the Manhattan projects and East of West uh, stuff that I've never touched upon. Uh, I still haven't had a chance to read it, but I'm going to take my uh, my tablet and uh, and um, down to, and see display down to Cork with me and, uh, and maybe get into some of that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Highly recommend East of West. That's that's mm, fantastic. That's part of the reason that I grabbed it on was your recommendation. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I always pitch it to people as uh, Western meets manga with the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse thrown in. It's, uh, 
if you love your world building, which I know you do, you no, you'll you'll really dig uh, Year Zero, or, or not Year Zero, sorry, uh, East of West. But I think it'll be a case of East of West will seem like you know connecting two dots on a page in terms of simplicity next to decorum. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and I think uh, excitingly, uh, you know how uh, how the 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 house of x stuff has its its own language in that little uh, card so you can work out what the, the Krakoan language yeah i think he's i think he's got a whole different language for decorum uh, it just hasn't become clear yet how to translate it <laughs> uh to have a brain as big as his eh um <laughs> cool so that was uh decorum at number two so uh i'm gonna move it on to this was this would be my fifth and final pick uh, a series that I've really been enjoying. This this series comes with a little bit of a cautionary tale as well, uh, which I'll I'll sort of begin with before jumping into the issue itself. But this this is a uh, this is a title that we recommended on our previews uh, podcast for months. Uh, it was a title that was coming from a new label called AWA. It was a title that was sounded really interesting to us had good creative talent behind it but we were just sort of saying look this is going to be a low print run get your pre-orders in so we had a, a certain amount of people pre-ordered it that was cool and then this issue the issue one of this just exploded and again sort of fell to the dark side of comic collecting as we've been talking about the issue one of this is now a 50 to 50 to 60 pound issue it's absolutely nuts Issue two, which I'm going to chat about in a second, is now a £25 issue. And the reason I want to you know, showcase this title is twofold. One, it shows the importance of pre-ordering. If you see a title looks really interesting or really grabs you, get your pre-order in for it. And the other reason I want to highlight it is because it's bloody awesome and therefore I want to keep it in people's minds outside of this ridiculous you know, overpricing of it to get this when it hits trade and it's much more reasonable because it is brilliant storytelling uh the title i'm talking about is year zero uh, which i sort of spoiled about two minutes ago when i tried to say east of west uh <laughs> <laughs> you can clearly tell what was in front of me uh so year zero this is going to be a five issue mini series uh it's written by benjamin percy who of course has been doing such great work with x-force and with wolverine uh, he's really branching out with the indie stuff at the moment. Uh, art is by Raman Rosanas and colors by Lee Lockridge. To pitch Year Zero very quickly, the elevator pitch would be it's The Walking Dead, but it's not set in middle America. It's showing how it affects the sort of four corners of the world. Uh, it Its action concurrently takes place in uh, five different locations. You've got a polar research station, which is just mysteriously set then so that's obviously going to be the prelude to what actually happens to cause uh, this worldwide event and then the action after that is split between four different characters and four different uh, cities you've got tokyo kabul minnesota and mexico city and then within those cities it's it's all about how different people are dealing with this sort of zombie apocalypse so to speak so um those, those characters, ahead. Alan, just to, you've got a character associated with each city. In Mexico City, you've got a, a young homeless boy called Daniel Martinez. Mm -hmm. uh, in Tokyo, you have, uh, looks like a, an assassin uh, called Saga Watanabe, uh, Yakuza associated. Uh, in Kabul, um, we have uh, Fatima Shah, who uh, is, uh, appears to be um 
uh, native to Kabul, um, a native Muslim, and is assisting American soldiers um, in Kabul um, when things go wrong for her. And then in Burnsville, Minnesota, we have B.J. Hull, who is uh, overweight, uh, seems like a like a prepper nerd type. Uh, would that be fair to say? Yeah, he's very much that that one guy in a city who is all about government conspiracies and all about end of the world theories, but is the kind of person that has his own bunker, who is prepared for all this should it happen. He has many, you know, lines of canned food and books, and you know, he's got a super boosted antenna out to the real world, so he can still get television reception and all that kind of stuff, and. The reason I'm digging this book so much is zombie stories, they tend to focus on someone just right in the middle of it and they fo- and they just stay focused with that main protagonist. You know, you think of Rick and then his crew in Walking Dead as, as the obvious example. But what I like about this is showing how different people in different situations would react to this. My, my only regret with this is that it's only five issues. I think there's fertile ground here to expand this so much more. As you were saying with the different characters, you know, you've got... You've got this little homeless kid who has, you know, learned how to be, you know, self-sufficient and learn how to be independent. But at the same time, he's just a scared little kid. So, you know, where does he find solace? In the second issue, he ends up in a church. But, you know, he, you can see that even there that that's not a safe place, that the uh, the reverend of it has been infected in some way and is going to try and attack him. You've got this sort of assassin who's just disassociated from the world you know he's just very you know he's emotionless he's almost like a machine based on what he does for a job you know he's barely even troubled by these zombie creatures around him he just does what he's trained to do pulls out his gun and puts you know bullets in them you know you've got Fatima Shah who as you said is Muslim and and is looks to be ostensibly a good person trying to help people get freedom and that kind of thing and you know, she then, in this issue, one of the soldiers she was trying to help then turns on this group of women. And then, of course, as I say, you've got B.J. Hull, who, you know, is sort of prepared for all this. I just think the character work in this is great. It doesn't skimp on the action as well. Uh, you've got, uh, at one point, the little homeless kid is saved by, you know, someone who just looks like a an old gunslinger who walked out of, you know, looks like literally the gunslinger out of Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've... I just think it's really good storytelling. And well, uh, that was interesting. You know, he describes that gunslinger as, you know, as ironic that the man who sees me is the man who killed my parents. Yeah. So again, that yeah. just makes it interesting because uh-huh. he's got this tattoo. It's you know, my savior is my parents' executioner, and then he uh-huh. sort of follows that with the the narration of God works in mysterious ways. So mm-hmm. it's, and you know, there's maybe a theme. As well as seeing a Tom Taylor theme through my picks here, I'm seeing a zombie slash dead people theme. Because uh, <laughs> you yeah, had deceased wow. unkillables, dead day, and now this. I, I must be in a dark place right now, I tell you. Um, <laughs> don't believe the sunny disposition. But but yeah, I just think this is really good, um, really good storytelling. A genre storytelling done right. Uh, you know, the, the issue sort of ends with, you know, the bj being someone who won't go out into the world but then he actually opens a door and he's hearing through headphones hello he's hearing about other survivors so you're wondering are the other survivors going to be the people they're talking or that they're introducing us to or is this world going to open up even more and 
again, it, my only regret with it is that it's only five issues. I really wish it had went longer, but yeah, I just think these these AWA series are brilliant, and people are starting to notice it a little bit. You know, you've got this year zero. You've got Hotel by John Lee's. You've got a great title called Red Border, which has been one of my personal favorites recently by a writer called Jason Starr. Uh, you've got The Resistance with J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, and then another one I started reading recently called Old Haunts, which is good, by Ollie Masters. So this... this is, Im- that, uh, is that Devil's Highway? Is that a... Devil's Highway. Same again, yeah. and it's Benjamin Percy, actually, as well. Good mm-hmm. shout. So th- th- this is a label to keep an eye on, guys. They're real, they seem to be interested in telling short, self-contained stories. Four or five issues, no more than that. Uh, apparently, they are all set within the same world which is an interesting thing as well, just maybe at different times in that world. <laughs> so, you know. This uh, is going to be the last the last story in the, in yeah, the lineup then. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's what you'll find out. You know, one of the older characters were well, in a younger though, story, you know. but though, though not necessarily I say that, but the, something you didn't mention, Alan, was at the at the back of the of each issue, mm-hmm. uh, there's, uh, there's at, at the back of the first issue, there was the lost pages from Leonardo da Vinci's notebook translated from Italian, and we find out... You know the Vitruvian Man uh, diagram that mm-hmm. Da Vinci had done. You know the man with the outstretched art. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and that. So we see it in a different light. You know, as Da Vinci says, Vitruvian Man, day one, third of June, fourteen ninety. Specimen acquired without incident. Payment offered as artistic model. A half truth. Vitruvian Man, day two. You know, he he applies a virus to the Vitruvian Man. You know, and uh, and we 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 watch. You know, through through day three and up to day thirty five, is this turns out the vitruvian man is a is a zombie you know that uh that uh that da vinci has imprisoned you know so it puts the vitruvian man in a whole different thing and then you know the 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 second issue was notes from uh, the black death by giovanni boccaccio in 1351 and we're seeing uh giovanni boccaccio dealing with zombies you know leeches are ineffective uh drowning is ineffective burning is ineffective Curiously, beheading is ineffective, but the smiting of skulls is effective. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was you know, so it's recasting the Black Death as a zombie plague as well, you know, yeah. which is, you know, it's definitely the the right the right year for this book to be released. <laughs> I think that's true of most of the AWA books because Resistance is about a worldwide pandemic as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just. It's a great story, and I, I kind of feel like it's not reaching enough people at the moment because the pricing has just went so ridiculous on it, and you know, comic speculators are sort of pricing people out of good stories. So I just want to keep it in people's consciousness so that it, when it hits trade, this is really, really worth picking up. I think it's it, it's on course to be one of the one of the really good miniseries of this year, and I enjoyed one but I thought two was a real step up. So I'm really hoping it's on an upward trajectory as well. So, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought one was still really good, but I think they maybe had to spend quite a lot of time setting up everything. But two, two, you got a lot more action. Yeah. And like he said, there's a lot of funny stuff in the back. <laughs> Not funny stuff, but I, I, like, I love that back matter stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Brilliant. Really, really cool. Cool. So we're going to bring an end to my, you know, really depressing dead people uh, picks this uh, this podcast. And we're going to go on to some lighthearted material next with you, Roddy, with an original graphic novel. Oh, okay. Well, we will 
segue into don't think there is a good segue but um so this one is an original graphic novel by emmy burrell who's an eisner award-winning artist and it's called we serve the people my mother's stories so i don't know if you'll remember but i mentioned this on can't even remember what previous show it was but uh, i just said i was really excited for it because i liked completely like the idea of it just learning about a new sort of what's, part what's of history the, that i don't really know what's the gist mm -hmm. of this one Ronnie? so um it's quite quite simple to be honest um so china sort of the 1960s to 70s um it's time of like perseverance for the chinese people um chairman mao pretty much instigates this policy of cultural revolution to send pretty much teenagers, um, 17 year olds, 18 year olds to work in remote rural areas to populate it. And then, so this is, this is basically Emmy Burrell's mother. She's sort of translating and taking down her mother's stories, like her mother's telling them orally and Emmy's, sort of retelling them through the comic book there's loads of little kind of reminded me of mouse a little bit the relationship between art oh. and vladek there's a lot of it's obviously not the same sort of devastation and that's cultural impact but certainly for for the people involved it, i'm sure it was like heartbreaking but it's a really interesting there's loads of really small there's they're told in snippets it's not told as it sort of flits back and forth between emmy talking to her mum and the stories of her mum being in sort of rural china um it's really good it's like a beautiful sort of done in a cartoony style really interesting there's loads of loads of great little character moments and human moments that make it really poignant it's never um it's never like twee or anything or sentimental. It's just a really nice look at part of history that I didn't really know about. Um, I loved how it shows basically how the human connection can form anywhere, even in the most horrible of circumstances, even in the most you know rigid of cultural systems with Chairman Mao. And yeah, it's beautiful, like stunning illustrations. You know, obviously. It was a time of great uh, political upheaval in China, and this is—it's told through, you know, the eyes of the people that lived it. It's not told from—it's not being dictated down to you. It's being told by the people that were there and how they survived it. It's fantastic. It was by—it's by Arkea, who are like a division of Boom Studios. Really, really good book. Can't recommend it enough. Wow. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, definitely pick it up, guys, or I can throw it to you if you want. What but was it called again, Ronnie? We served the people. My mother's stories. Um, I'd be definitely interested in taking a look at that I from your descriptions. Yeah. I think you had him as soon as you said it. Reminded a, a relationship from Mouse. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. I think those are the magic words. That the, that or yeah, bone, and you're you're on. <laughs> yeah. It's the same sort of. Um, what would you say that that sort of saturation between a parent telling their child something and then that's the the child's interpretation of it 
and then tell it telling it through the you know the medium of the comic book is brilliant yeah really really good yeah and of course mouse we've got a book club on that that's uh, a little further down the down the feet Mm-hmm. and you never know there might be a 10 hour one exploring the world of bone at some point because it would take 10 <laughs> hours at a minimum but it would be 10 hours very well spent i can tell you um cool yeah i mean there's there seems to be a lot of these sort of cool original graphic novels come on out at the moment it's it's almost like the format if they're sort of retelling real world stories i think that single issues is not the format for it you know, it, it, no, it does need not. to be more of an original graphic all in one go. So, uh, yeah, we, we've sold a few of these at the shop. I'm, I'm nearly sure we're still one or two copies in store. But, uh, oh, yeah? yeah, sounds good. I might just have to take a wee look at that, uh, especially given my recent graphic novel reading binge I've been on. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll blame Keith for that one, just for uh, reading through two massive hardcover volumes of Lazarus in the space of about a day and a half. But that is a great wow. book. That, uh, that is yeah. a book club as well coming, I'm sure. Uh, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Such a such a book by our uh, previously mentioned Craig Rucker. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Rucker's gonna fi- fill up our feed of uh, book clubs soon, given the Gotham Central one that comes next, and then we've already done Old Guard, and then we'll do Lazarus, and then we'll find something else. I'm sure <laughs> we'll find something else. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that was We Serve the People original graphic novel. Uh, so we've got two more to finish off with, and I've grouped these two together because. First of all, they were both fantastic issues. Second of all, they were the end of the first story arcs of these two issues. And third, they're actually both, they've both been released as graphic novels, both from Image Comics, both coming in at that really great image price point of £9 for the first graphic. Uh, I ordered bigger on these two graphics for release day than I have in any other titles before now. One of them is already sold out and the other one I have one copy left of. So uh, we'll kick things off with the more, well, I was going to say the more horror-based side of things, but you know what? They're both horror titles in their own way. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you kick us off, Keith? You you choose. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, Roddy, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Well, they're, I guess they're all our picks anyway, but this one so happens to folder me. Uh, and that's Philadelphia number six, Sins of the Father, part six. Um, yeah, but written by Rodney Barnes and illustrated by Jason Sean Alexander. And, and the colors are by Luis. I'm not sure, is it NCT, do you think? Or is it Nyukt? I don't know. Hard to tell. It's, only it's, hard, it's not a debate for two hours into a podcast i suppose but and it's 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 only right that this one falls to you roddy because i think you sort of pegged this very very early on and certainly it was the first issue in that i went i read and i went oh alan grab me grab me philadelphia <laughs> yeah so, oh very good yeah so, it's yeah. it definitely stuck out to me in the the previews books certainly just because uh rodney barnes is someone i'm really interested in and then jason sean alexander's art is astounding astoundingly beautiful in this but um if you haven't read Philadelphia, i'd say there's a lot to it um so when basically the blurb was like small town uh beat cop called james sangster jr uh returns home to philadelphia um he's sort of back to investigate this mystery surrounding his sort of slightly famous uh hero worshipped 
detective father, James Sangster Sr. And then that sort of leads him to this incredibly deep, and I say, and I mean deep, mystery, um, this path of horrors. Incredibly deep and incredibly old. Yes. (laughs) That um, basically changes his life forever, and it opens up this entire discussion on race, liberty, freedom, corruption, poverty, unemployment. With fathers and sons. Yeah, father and son dynamic relationships. But it's also got vampires. (laughs) Who would have thought you could marry those all together so seamlessly? So basically the way I kind of looked at it was it's kind of like this, it's the wire or it's homicide meets, you know, I don't know. It's kind of got, if you look at Candyman, like a little bit, like it's got a political tone to it. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, but it's more more to do with vampires and the undead. Anyway, still continuing the undead theme, Alan. Don't worry, I'll, <laughs> you I'll got my back. You here. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I mean, it's it's this is the end of the. I mean, this this could be this this could be the standalone story, really. Uh, for Philadelphia, could be, but it turns out that this is the end of the first story arc called yeah, Sins of the uh, Father. I read I read a review that was quite good. It said it was. Um, it's a good jumping off point, but it's also a good jumping on point. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it, it ends very it, satisfying, it, it but does, it also it it leads you to really want more because throughout the book, you're sort of introduced to this character of, is it John Adams, one of the presidents? Second president of the USA. Second president, yeah, and his wife, Abigail, who's like the most cold-hearted, brutal character you'll ever meet in the book. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of lore to explore maybe going forward, but the, it certainly ties up the father-son relationship a lot, and that's that's the kind of the main crux of the, the first six issues. Mm. But, um, yeah, what do you guys think? Did you, did you think it ends satisfyingly enough? Do you want to go, Alan, or you? Yeah, I thought it was a thoroughly brilliant series the whole way through, and it is interesting, as you say. I think... If it ended here, it would be a perfect one and done. Try this, guys. It it reminds me a little bit, you know, of a modern day Thirty Days a Night. You know, it's mm. it's it's uh, yeah. it's good to read a vampire book where they're creatures, they're visceral, they're violent, they're hungry, uh, but they have purpose as well and direction, and they're not just sort of mindless fools, so to speak, but. But then you get into the deep political stuff and you get into legacy and you get into, you know, there's just great depth to the book. It was one that, you know, we, of course, we were all fortunate enough to jump on it early due to, you know, Roddy's stellar recommendation. But it's the kind of book now I think think it's going to find a whole new audience because of the trade. Uh, As I was saying just before we started this, um, I started chatting about these two titles we're going to talk about. I ordered big on these in graphics and see when it comes to release day, we're ultimately, we're quite a small store and we'll maybe get say two of a new graphic novel for release day because most people on release day come for their singles. Graphics are more long-term investment, that kind of thing. But for Philadelphia and for the next one we'll chat about in a second, I ordered in 10 copies of each for release day. It was that nine pound price point. They were two books I really believed in and Philadelphia, I had to reorder this week already, and I've got more requests for it. This is going to be a great. This is going to be a big book, I think. 
It's yeah. it's got so much going for it. It's unique. It doesn't look like anything else on the shelf. As you say, the Jason Sean Alexander artwork is scratchy and uh, you know gory yeah. and you know uncomfortable and you know it's you know I, I love as well the setting of Philadelphia. Obviously, Philadelphia is very very uh, tightly linked to America's history and the history of freedom, the history of of liberty, the Liberty Bell. You know the the signing of the the you know the Constitution and all of those the Bill of Rights and all of those sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, so I think I think setting obviously setting it in Philadelphia was no was no, no accident, accident yeah. you know. But the yeah. but how do you you can't do a you can't set a story in Philadelphia and not have some reference to Rocky, you know? And <laughs> they, they they use it very well because you've got you've got James Sangster Senior who is a vampire, and we've a young guy called Tevin. Uh, they're both both black males, you know, from different generations, both vampires, you know, and they see the statue of Rocky and uh, Sangster is Philadelphia's favorite song. Nothing beats Rocky three. What's your prediction for the fight? Prediction? Pain. You know, and uh, the kid goes, never saw it. Creed was my John, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Uniting generations. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, I think um, possibly like with what's going on in the world now, um, I think it's. I think it has blown up in the news, Philadelphia, a lot, and I think certainly what Rodney Barnes and Jason Sean Alexander are doing is maybe bringing the comic to a new audience. I think because it's certainly you can see the sort of rumblings on social media and stuff, and like any time I look at their feed, I think this book is just blowing up for them. So and yeah, long may continue because it's a. Uh, it's like a marriage of like great storytelling and like this political, uh, cultural shift. That's great. Really, really enjoyable book. And yeah, I mean, do you think? Uh, do you think? Obviously, so issue seven is the start of another story arc called Burn Baby Burn. Uh, I think they're setting up potentially, you know, one of the characters from this as a as a villain going forward, which is fairly obvious whenever you read it. Uh, are we going to be following? Uh, yeah, yeah. Are we going to be following? Uh, it's a Scotty Young cover, no less. Um, yeah. But uh, are we going to be following James Sangster Jr.? Is he going to be and 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 his partner? Are they going to continue to be the the heroes of yeah, this? Or are we you'd, moving? You'd I hope, hope so. so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and are we are we going to see uh, are we going to see Senior again or? Or what's the score? You know, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, very, very good stuff. I, I, I totally agree with everything you said, Roddy. Everything you said. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. just a it's a great intro book to people as well to sort of show what comics can be outside of just you know superheroes punch each other in the face. Uh, so I think that's always a positive <laughs> as well. But yeah, it's it's a book that you know it it sold well anyway. Single issues with us certainly because we can only ever go by our own. Uh, our own example but you know single issue sales were strong as well but i do think it's found a whole new audience as you say roddy maybe it's a, a little bit of serendipitous timing you know with the unfortunate way some of the you know matters yeah. are in the world right now this book really resonates to that as well and i think it not to keep going on about it but i think it captured some of that and it's it's really horrible that it is doing that and you have to think about it but i think it captured some of the the same sort of themes that the watchman tv show did for a lot of people yeah. oh yeah yeah absolutely that was i mean whenever you look at that in relation to to, to black lives matter and uh, and and so forth that i mean that that 
Jesus, that couldn't have been timed, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and the the content of it. So so yeah, but um, I mean, whenever you mention it, Alan, we have a we have a a, a very disappointing lack of uh, heroes and villains punching each other in the faces uh, <laughs> <laughs> this 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 quarter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. There was plenty of punching each other in the face in Suicide Squad, so uh, yeah, that, uh, fair enough. that helped for it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's Philadelphia number six, guys. To say it's the first book that you know we've had, we've ordered big on for release week, and then the f- we've had to you know get reorders straight back in. So it will be back in stock in the store um, <laughs> as soon as possible. The well, other one you've got. Sorry, sorry Alan. No, whatever you got, uh, Roddy describing it as uh, you know the wire meets vampires. That's just sell it like that that's that's it well, it's, you know? it's always <laughs> i think it's always uh, a credit to a book as well or a comic or or any form of art really when you can narrow it down to something really specific and it hit the nail on the head like that uh-huh. you know yeah. so it's uh you know as that elevator pitch you know so uh mm-hmm. so yeah so that was philadelphia number six uh the other title which we're going to finish off with is also a number six uh, I'll let you take it away on this one, Keith. This also went on trade the same week as Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so we're looking at, uh, as as Alan says, a number six. It's an image title, so that uh, that's the end of this this the story arc and then the way that Image plans these things, which is which is quite neat and appeals actually. It's uh, Snyder and Souls Undiscovered Country number six. Now, we've talked about Undiscovered Country a number of times. We were really excited about uh, about previewing it whenever it came out and. Uh, and I think it uh, it appeared as one of our picks, certainly issue one or issue two. So uh, nice to come back to it. As I say, uh, Scott Snyder and Charles Soule teaming up in writing duties. Giuseppe Camancoli, uh, Leonardo Marcello Grassi on art and colours by, by Matt Wilson. So the story so far is that 30 years ago, the United States sealed its borders. Since that time, no one has come in or out. Um, all trade and communications have ceased and no one in the outer world has any idea of what has happened to what was once America. Two empires have emerged in the wake of the power vacuum left by the US removing itself from the world stage. The the Alliance Euro Afrique, which is the AEA, and the Pan-Asian Prosperity Zone, the the PAPZ. After many years of conflict, the tenuous Dante uh, holds now threatened by the emergence of the Sky Virus, which is a a global pandemic that threatens to end humanity. (laughs) When all hope seemed lost, a message is received from the United States inviting a joint AEA-PAPZ diplomatic mission to come to the former U.S. to negotiate the release of a, of a cure to Sky and perhaps the reopening of America to the world. There are seven people chosen for the mission. Siblings, Daniel and Charlotte Graves. American historian, uh, a guy called Ace Kenyatta. Journalist named Valentino Sandoval. A pilot and war hero who brings them all together called Colonel Pavel Bukowski. And diplomats Janet Worthington and Chang En Lu from the from the two uh, the two different um, two different uh, alliances. Uh, they all have their secrets. None of them are particularly well suited for this mission, but for some reason that's not known to them, they were all chosen by the mysterious power that was once that that runs what was once America, which is called Aurora. So. Very early on, the mission shot down um, as it passes the American border. It crashes in this savage land in, in the western U.S. called Destiny. Uh, Bukowski is taken prisoner by the evil ruler of the territory, the Destiny Man. The others are saved by this strange version of Uncle Sam, who 
claims that they're prophesized to walk the spiral by journeying through the remade America to its center to find Aurora. There are betrayals and revelations. Um, Charlotte herself, she has the, the sky virus. There's time dilations that have occurred inside the, the U.S. that haven't occurred in the outer world. And, you know, issue six finds the group racing to escape destiny by, by means of a hidden door whose location is only known to Uncle Sam. But the Destiny Man, he also wants to escape, and he's bearing down on our heroes in his massive rolling city. And Alan had sort of said, you know, this issue has elevated the series from 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 good to great. I would agree, but disagree. I would say it's elevated the series from great to kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I've, I've really, really been enjoying the the twists and turns of this series, and uh, you know, I've, I'm critical of what Snyder does on a, on a cosmic level, you know, with the Justice League and, and those bits and pieces I've, I've, I've often said, you know, whenever he's doing that he sometimes tends to get excited and lose a run of himself but we have the leavening influence of uh, of lawyer Charles Soule here uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this I, do, this, you I know, don't know th- what was happening to them this issue like it was amazing but there was hardly <laughs> any dialogue in it if you look through the pages the the ratio of white space is very, very small. Yeah, so yeah. So I don't know, I don't, but like obviously that that's for the betterment of the issue because it was uh, amazing. Roddy, whenever whenever you have uh, a one-legged uh, war hero riding a giant starfish uh, in the battle uh, against uh, uh, the Destiny Man's the Destiny Man's right-hand man who rides into battle on his uh, punk heavy metal bison uh whenever you have that sort of imagery you know whenever you have our heroes escaping from the rolling city on on land-based hammerhead sharks uh you, you keep know, the dialogue, dialogue to a minimum <laughs> whenever you have a, a a space shuttle suspended on two blimps uh <laughs> carrying them across the country and and the, the image that is the destiny man wow yeah. i mean that that character that concept is just it's incredible you know down to the what's going on there uh, one of the best looking characters i've seen in a while since um what do you what do you call the batman guy the designer the designer yeah Yeah, he looks really cool too but i'm digging the destiny man yeah i mean it's just that that imagery of he, he seems to be wearing like a space suit he's got he's got one crab claw and one hand maybe He's got these interchangeable uh, luminescent horns coming out of the top of his space helmet that he can change around. He's 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 taped things onto himself, and it's it's absolutely it's absolutely nuts. You know, it's what what I don't know. There's a whole lot going on, but but there's a whole lot of imagery here. There's a whole lot of imagery, and there's a whole lot of symbology. There's a whole lot of it's very much linked to the idea of uh, of American isolationism, which is is a very prominent. Um, topic right now you know uh, and has been uh, you know the idea of, of the American dream and how that's been twisted uh, you know the idea that, that um, I mean America is so huge it's a world on itself uh, the, the you know there's there's references to, to destiny you know the manifest destiny of America the you know the I don't know what we're going to see as we move through the spiral what what words we're going to see or, or what has happened, you know, but it's all very, it's all very linked to the, the very core things of what make America, America. And not just in the, in the idea of uncle Sam and, 
and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. We're starting to learn a wee bit more about Aurora as we we enter the the, the wall to the next part of the spiral, and the, the Destiny Man seems set to follow. And you know, he beseeches Aurora. You know, I've done this for you. I've run my experiments. I've I've shared everything with you. You know, let me let me continue. I'll do anything. I'll walk the spiral. You know, so he's he's clearly going to be be following. You know, but uh, oh, what a what a what a roller coaster ride! <laughs> what do you reckon, guys? I'm just so happy to hear you praise a Scott Snyder title so much. Hey, it warms I enjoyed Court of Owls. It warms the cockles of my heart just to hear wax lyrical. Of course, you had to say it was because Charles Soul, you know, leveled him out. But you know, I'll, I'll ignore that part. <laughs> But no, I mean, I've I've always enjoyed Undiscovered Country. I mean, I'm, maybe I, you know, under undersold it a little bit when I said from good to great. But I, ju- I just mean, I, I felt like one to five were all of an equal level of quality. And then issue six took it up a notch. I thought it ended it in a way that was natural for the end of a quote season or volume. Gave you a great cliffhanger, but left you wanting more. But it wasn't a frustrating. It wasn't a frustrating one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the the six issues had a very defined beginning, middle, and end. But it also like you're just rubbing your hands when that last that last image that you're talking about with the Destiny Man and stuff is just like you know rubbing your hands together. Right? Let's let's have some more of this good stuff, please. And and then yeah, all the world building elements again. You know we've we've praised it in other issues as well. The back matter and having mm. testimonies from people who've lived in this world and you know, the the timeline of, you know, the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. Just again, it, it, it looks like a testament to long-term planning. I know that Soul and Schneider have been working on this for a few years and they've clearly got it to a point where they're happy with the structure, happy with what they're trying to achieve and then they unleash it. And just brilliant, brilliant title. And I think it'll read brilliantly in a trade mm. as well. Um, and uh, and an upcoming uh, an upcoming film as well, isn't that right? Yeah, I believe they they optioned it. I think it was optioned before it even came out. I think yeah, like yeah. the pitch of the the title was that good. It got it got signed up. So and I believe Snyder and Solar co-writing that as well. So yeah, that's it, right. If the wonderful adaptation of Old Guard teaches us anything, it is amazing what can be done when the original creators are involved. So, I mean, it says uh, there's a conversation. As there is in the back of most of these, either either from Charles Soule or from Scott Snyder. In this case, it's both. And uh, and Charles Soule says Scott and I completed a massive breakdown of the undiscovered country film during the first half of the quarantine, uh, and since then we've been hammering away at the second art for the comic. Um, so they're looking forward to bringing an entirely new region region of the transformed US. This one called Unity, new characters, locations, an amazing new villain, and development of the story for everyone you've already met. So a lot to come. You know, and unity, destiny. What are we? What are we seeing? You know, the first place was called destiny. The new place is called unity. All, all very much uh, linked to American history. Yeah, no, great, great title yeah. in general, and it's again another great testament to the wonderful indie books that are out there at the moment. I mean, it's it almost seems like you're devaluing them, calling them indie books. You know what I mean? Because they're just as much sort of. <clears throat> blockbuster level is some of the best dc and marvel books so it's uh it's just great to see such a burgeoning indie scene at the moment you know so. uh, i mean and, and that uh, that much is is evident we're, we're talking about our reviews for the past for the past three months you know and uh of our reviews we've got one two three four dc a couple of marvel and the rest are indie yeah 
You it's know, just my influence on you. That is your influence. <laughs> Mind control, Roddy. Mind control. <laughs> Keep weaving uh, that magic. Yeah. Is, is that us, gents? Are we are we three or fifteen? I think we are through our 15, so no, Keith, you cannot start your honourable mentions. <laughs> I'm for me bed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, no, it's been a it's been a pleasure chatting about them. I mean, again, we we did wrestle with it a little bit. We just wanted to have some sort of format. This has still hit a two and a half hour scenario, but we just wanted to give a bit of structure and try and you know whittle it down a little bit to what we thought were the best of the best there were many other great titles out during this period as well and as i say the, the comics industry has come back strong so uh yeah if you enjoy if you like the sound of any of those get in touch we'll always do our best to source them whether it's single issues for you or trades uh and uh we'll look forward to getting back to a slightly more rigid format and getting back to the weekly stuff and you know mm-hmm. it's uh no it's been a pleasure it's it's always a pleasure sitting geeking out over comics so uh, yeah, it was a good uh, one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if it was just you know coming back after after lockdown and they're having been bereft of issues for a wee while. Though I gotta say, Coffee and Heroes did a great job of of doing uh, of doing uh, doorstep pickups and and, and drop offs. You know that was really really fantastic. You and Vicky to do that to keep us in our in our four color care packages, Alan. Yeah, um, always doing but, our best. Uh, I, I don't know if it, if it was that that fact that we missed him for a while but jesus everything i read i was dying about like yeah you know what i mean it was everything i read was fantastic so so much good stuff and i mean that's 73 titles that's not to be sniffed at but uh what he is uh what he's looking forward to in your next uh your next pull list which was is remarkably close actually given that we're recording this on a wednesday it is indeed i mean for me you'll not be surprised at all to know that metal's high up my list uh death metal number two is hitting uh, this week, I am very much looking forward to that. Year Zero number three, obviously given how much I just eulogized about uh, issue one and two there. Looking forward to that. And Venom 26 is probably my other big one, which is uh, the first introduction of a new character called Varus. This is the first storyline after Venom Island. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Venom Beyond, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, given what they have coming with the the King and Black, I'm just I'm on. I mean, Venom's been fantastic, uh, but uh, it looks like there's even better to come. You know, after after Venom Island and and that. Um, Death Metal enjoyed the first issue. I noticed it didn't appear in our in our reviews there, which was was interesting. I was sort of thinking yeah, it might. I think I might have to do a separate one for Metal. <laughs> to be honest, uh, Metal, I. I read it, I enjoyed it, I just had a big pile of comics so I didn't get back to it for a second time, so uh, I think that I will be uh, tearing that open again before reading issue 2, maybe a newfound yeah, appreciation I'll, 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 of it. I'll probably do the same myself, there was a lot going on, but yeah, great choices, I'd be in all of those as well. For me, uh, I am looking forward to the start, the actual start of Empire, especially after those uh, those zero issues, uh, the fantastic Empire Fantastic Four and Empire Avengers one of which we spoke about earlier. So looking forward to the actual start of that series. Uh, looking forward to uh, Old Guard Force Multiplied number five, which will be the conclusion oh, yeah. of uh, of the second Old Guard series. And then Amazing Spider-Man 44, we're seeing the kickoff of Sins Rising. So really looking forward to that. Uh, what about your yourself, Roddy? Nice one. Yeah, I was, I'm pretty much all on those two. Um, I've got... Hopefully, Daphne Byrne number six, the final issue. I'm looking forward to that. 
hopefully that's in the playlist because I remember talking to Alan and, and I was like, is this on it? And he was like, nope, delayed. <laughs> yeah, the, the titles this week. There's a few indie the, ones, wasn't there? Yeah, there's a few indie ones. There's even a few DC ones as well that were originally due this week. The They're not exactly perfectly syncing up with the uh, the US releases at the moment. I think they're still finding their feet a little bit. So, yeah. so there are a few that aren't um, coming that were originally due. Once in Future was originally due with us this yeah this side of the world but we didn't receive that uh otherwise but it I might have been on my list gideon falls 23 sorry roddy oh come on <laughs> i have well i so just i'm looking forward to one comic <laughs> i i and you know what the worst part is daphne Byrne didn't come either um <laughs> oh, no well uh, i had a look at your pull list there roddy and because yours is obviously so indie heavy you have three titles on it this week. Oh, I got three in there. Yeah. You've so got Year Zero, Spider Man, and Tom Kane. Oh, Strange Adventures. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, that'll do. That'll keep uh, me. Issue two of it was fantastic. The focus on Mister Terrific. Mr. Terrific. And, uh, oh, yeah. that was that was so good. That was so good. Yeah, I really yeah. dug that issue as well. I have to say. Mm. Um, cool. Well, I think that is going to do it, gentlemen. Uh, as I say, pleasure as always. We're going to. Look at f forward to getting back to a slightly more routine show. Uh, we're approaching our big 100 episodes as well, so it's uh, it, it's it's a testament to how much I enjoy chatting to these two fine gentlemen about comics. That uh, <laughs> we're still enjoying it nearly 100 episodes later. So, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, stores open as normal, 10 to 5 o'clock at the moment. Just closing a little bit earlier as opposed to before. Um, just always keep an eye on your way in the door, guys. We've got our sanitizer there. We've got gloves there if you want to browse through the comics, uh, single-use gloves, and just always be mindful of who else is in the store, you know, just respect the social distance inside of things. So uh, other than that, come in, relax, and uh, enjoy Geek It Out. So hopefully see you guys in store soon. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, stay safe. Keep on winging it. Mm-hmm.